Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is. Woo! The sensation, Jason Gavon! Danmark har fået en ny verdensmester. Mikkel Tesla, he's the fucking champion of the world. No, I think Rosado is a good boy. Rosado is a good boy. They have become a massive international superstar. It's as simple as that. I eat your ass all alive, you bitch. Scared of the real man. I'll fuck you till you love me, faggot. I'm going to physically shoot David Hay. He fucking glossed me. He glossed me. Derek, who's out? I'm Shannon Bridge. I'm hard to kill. I'm the black team with the ball. I'm hard to fucking kill. Well, I believe Christopher can take a punch. I'm very good at math and looking at a fighter and seeing what his abilities are. I can't see that Golovkin has anything like Christopher's speed, his power, his punching ability, his hand speed, his foot movement. I don't see that from a calculating point of view. I don't see that he has anything like that. So then it's going to come down to heart. I spoke to Joe Gallagher, they don't want to fight Carl Frampton. And the bottom line is, you know, no disrespect to Boss Ranger, these guys aren't good enough to face Carl Frampton. I'm the best heavyweight champion of the world. I'm happy to have WPC with me. I'm undefeated champion. Undisputed champion. I want good next. You've got my Dino Rival nuclear acid. I'm the student heavyweight champion of the world. Who's next? I love boxing sounds. as simple as that. Yes, welcome everybody from both sides of the pond to episode number 438 of the Boxing Asylum Nuthouse, available on Spotify, iTunes, anywhere where you are getting your podcast. Give us that five-star rating. We very much do appreciate it. We are working hard to give you as much content as is possible in this lull that we are experiencing in the boxing world over these couple of weeks, but... Uh, it does look like it is set to be picking up again in September, and we are moving towards that. But as for right now, not a lot happening. But there was a controversial decision over in the UK with Sam Maxwell taking uh, what seems to be a disputed unanimous decision over Akeem Ennis Brown with two scores of 116, 113, one of 115, 114, where both fighters were cut by headbutts. I'm pulling this all off of the headlines. Steve, I didn't have a way to watch this card with American options yesterday. Tell me, what did you see? 
Lucky you, first of all, Matthew. Good evening to everybody listening at home. Obviously, um, this fight, I want to credit them, first of all. The fact that they were both unbeaten, 14-0 and 0, and I think 15-0 and 0, going in, in against each other should be commended for Frank, which is one of a, a few things that should, maybe uh, there's a few things that shouldn't be commended about this card last night. But it did finish at a decent hour. And Akeem Ennis-Brown is a very awkward fighter. He's fast. He likes working in the clinches. He's not a puncher by any description. And Sam Maxwell, who we've had on the show before, who fought Vasyl Lomachenko back in the World uh, Super, uh, the World Super Series of no, what was it? The World Series of Boxing is a good fighter as well. But I did think that Ennis Brown won the fight, and he probably won it by two or three rounds. But even though it was controversial and people were getting et up about it, there wasn't a lot of clean work from both guys. The sneaky work was coming from Ennis Brown, and I can't feel my blood boiling about the decision. I don't want to call it a robbery because I'm not that emotionally invested in the thing. I thought it was scrappy and hard to watch at times. And obviously, this is no consolation to Ennis Brown, who has the first loss on his record, who has a very good record, by the way. Reminds me a little bit of an Ian Napper, skillful, good inside and out. Maybe not as skillful as Napper and maybe not as pleasing on the eye, but a complete non-puncher. And I think he should have got the win. But I'm not going to cry too many tears about it. Fair play to Sam Maxwell. He moves on. Rematch, possibly. Who wants to really see that? But I think that would be the honourable thing to do. Did the right man win? Probably not. But I'm not too upset, really. And maybe I should be a bit more upset for Ennis Brown. From the descriptions I've seen, uh, yours basically solidifying it. It, it, it. It's almost as if there wasn't enough effort given on either side where you're going to be crying over spilt milk. It's, it's not as if either fighter really pushed to take the victory. Um, a Andy, is that something you're going to agree with? And we can just uh, move past this fight as if it never happened. Yeah, possibly. Mate. I was kind of like screen hot, maybe honest way between this fight. It was horrible to watch. Um, a lot of herky jerky stuff. It wasn't a lot of clean work. Um, Ennis Brown, he's, 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 he's He's got this style that's awkward and horrible, but he makes it work for himself. Now, I thought, I agree with Steve, I thought he won the fight um, by a few by a few rounds. Um, and the honourable thing would be to do is, is to give him a, a rematch. I mean, 116-113, Steve Gray, I think he must have been doing the, the score in the pint jugs there last night, pints of water he must have been using to score that fight. I just didn't see how, you know, as I say, Maxi wasn't doing anything clean. He was, he was kind of like grappling. Uh, roughing it up, and that it was a complete, ugly, horrible fight to watch. And one of these type of fights that you just you love to score, actually. Um, so yeah, we move on for that, mate. To be honest with you, um, yeah, this is but Brown, Brown style. If he didn't have a if he had a bit of dig about him, and that's what it might be a bit more kind of pleasing to watch that. But he's he does what he does, he makes it work for him, and that, but it's just no conducive for me to make a, like an interesting fight to watch or anything like that, mate. Yeah, it uh, unfortunately seems a, a fight that was uh, actually had some merit for you guys domestically uh, really didn't ever get popping the way that had been hoped. So um, <laughs> I wish there was more to talk about just to fill time, but unfortunately... Can, can I just add something else in, Matthew? Please, actually? And I know, I know I'm afraid to do this to keep this going on, but I do want to give credit to Ennis Brown, not necessarily in that fight last night, but for his record overall. He's, he's a guy who's not afraid to go in there. You know, he, he took Freddie Kiewicz unbeaten record, who was 11-0 and at the time a few years ago. Glenn Foote, not a bad fighter, on a way turf as well, went and beat him. Foote was 20-1. and Beat Chris Jenkins. Again, it was the old Jenkins curse of a, a cut and a technical decision. Beat Dara Foley, who is an Irish fighter based in Australia. Decent record. Took Bilal Reckman's unbeaten record. And in his last fight, again, a bit of a scrappy one, he beat Chukwu's favourite, uh, Philip Bowes, 
So I want to give him credit. And then he went in with Maxwell as well. This is a guy, he's not a puncher. He's not afraid to go on the road. He's, he won't be afraid to go in there again. As Des says in the chat, I think he will get found out at a higher level. But I thought he should have won. And I want to credit him for taking the fight. He's not afraid to go in there and he's burned. So I'll give him a pat on the back for that. Steve, even though it wasn't a good fight, do you think because it was for a domestic title, do you believe that this does warrant a rematch as much as the eyes might not want to see it? Well, I don't know about the the eyes at home, but both eyes in the in the fight were cut. I mean, it, it was just so messy, wasn't it? Commonwealth British, as you mentioned on the line, yeah, it does warrant a rematch. Who's going to be who's going to be watching it? I don't know, but I think Maxwell probably himself. I haven't seen the post fight interview or anything like that. I was doing other things, but I'm not sure what he said. Will he want to have won that way? Possibly, possibly not. He can verifiably move on now, but maybe it's left that kind of Cash Farouk, uh, Lee McGregor feel to it and possibly they'll get a rematch. Maybe that should be the honourable thing to do. Well, we shall see if that happens and if maybe they're courteous and just bury it on the undercard somewhere so nobody has to see that again. Um, Anthony Yard uh, on the same card, uh, knocking out Alex Theron in a single round with body shots. Andy, did you see it? Anything interesting to say about it? It doesn't really seem like it, it, we should take too much from this victory. It's no. just a holdover for Yard. Yeah, it's basically all it is, mate. I mean, I don't know what we learned for it for this point. I mean, it's just like his entire career up to this point, just basically making a cause into that, that, that first round. That's his level. Apart from a, a decent showing against Kovalev, he's done absolutely nothing. Um, that's no ideal preparation for me. Sorry about my voice and that, but my voice has just been cracking up all day. I don't know what happened to it, to be honest with you guys. <laughs> um, so I, um, look, Yard needs to be a, a you know, much better opponent for that, to be honest with you. But this is his career at this point. And I tell you what, if he loses this, this rematch, if it happens with Arthur, I don't know where he goes for here, actually, because you know he should be past the Messi level. Uh, and basically kind of fighting at European and you know knocking the door at world level again and that but it's just not happening for him um, so yeah look maybe we're going for that one as well um, I didn't catch much else to that undercard to be honest with you mate but um, you know, it was a typical Frank Warren card that got dragged out to kind of bitter death after I seen the um, uh, the Brown Maxwell fight I thought that was the finish I forgot about the Kikachi fight to be honest with you so I haven't seen that one at all eh? Um I'm just glad yeah. you said Kakachi because I had no clue how to pronounce it until you said that. That's fa uh, thank you. <laughs> I think I seen the uh, to be honest, I think I seen him knock was it Woodstock. I think it was uh, Leon Woodstock. Uh, knocked him down. I think it was with was that a right hand. I think I can't, I can't mind me. It was honestly. an uppercut in the fourth round. Was it? I honestly, my, my mind's just scrambled now actually in that. So yeah, look, um, Yard. Going forward, Matt, he's he's got to win this fight against uh, against Arthur. Matt, he's got to look good doing it, I think, as well, or probably just win the fight. You know, keeps his kind of career going. But I says it, it, it's a hard one to come back for if he doesn't win this rematch against against Arthur. Like it really is because I says he should be past this level, and look, they, they, they've been talking that as well about they've, they've st started sparring for the first time. Do you believe that, Steve? That they've just started sparring for the first time in that. Well, I heard conflicting things because someone sent me a message saying that Tundi said, oh, it was always a joke. They were always sparring, but he doesn't believe in doing excessive, aggressive sparring because it, you, you don't want to lose your best years in the in the gym. So someone, I, I do believe they were always sparring, but you never really know. It's smoke and mirrors all the time. Whatever he says, you can never really yeah. take it at face value, can you? No, absolutely not. So, I mean, no, my, there's not how much we can, I can add to it, to be honest with you, mate. I would say, look, I had one, I had, since I was channel hop, I had a, a kind of split screen last night. I had this card on, that card on. As I say to Steve in the past, now, I'm pretty much finished with the kind of like British shows, man. See, like, the, the, the cat, look, 
we get Eddie shit for putting on wank cars and that, right, sometimes. And look, that Frank Warren's cars recently have been absolutely abysmal, and it's just nothing for me to kind of like, you know, hold my interest. So I'm out, I'm out there. If I'm watching fights and that, I'll probably watch something obscure. So say to you, I've got a VPN now and that. I can go on to any fucking uh, threshold to a website across Europe if there's a fucking boxing event on, I just click it on that country and away I go, I watch it free of charge. I then need a BT subscription. I then need a Sky subscription. I can download the fights later on if I want to. I can watch it on YouTube if I want to. I'm done with all this fucking pissing me. It's just because, you see, I'm, just, I'm refusing to pay for everything. Sky, the zone, all that type of stuff and that. And there's just, there's no decent cars, no decent fights for me at least to keep my interest to say, well, listen, yeah, that, that deserves for me to pay my, my, my money. I ain't doing it, mate. So uh, just chalk up uh, one more reason for Scottish independence, huh? <laughs> Why? <laughs> so, um, so Steve, it sounds like I'll be leaning on you for the rest of this card, as Andy oh uh, alluded to. A uh, 130-pound fight with Anthony Kakachi. There we go, Kakachi. Taking a 12-round unanimous decision over Lion Woodstock. The British title was on the round, was on the line. Fourth-round knockdown in there. What were your thoughts on this? What's was were the opponent for the British title, or was this just some filler? Oh, no, it's definitely a worthy opponent. Leon Woodstock's a, a good fighter, and there's no issues with the opponent whatsoever. I'm just pleased to see Kakashi fight. Is it Leon? Yeah, L-Y-O-N? Yeah, it's, oh, it is, it's Leon. It's like from the Tevin Farmer School of Strange Names, I think, uh, Matty. Oh, Jesus. Anyhow. <laughs> but, but, yeah, he, no, he was he was a good fighter. He fought at this, he fought his Alpha Barrett before, and he was he's very tough, tough as old boots, as the as the old cliche goes. I thought Kakashi would get him out of there. I was talking to a friend of the pod, Ames, who I haven't seen in the chat just yet. Uh, on Friday night or Thursday night or one of the nights in, uh, last week, and I thought Kakachi would either win on, win on win on points or stop him late. So I went I went for a tenth round stoppage, and he looked around the eighth and ninth that he was putting the foot down, maybe gassed a little bit. Woodstock, as I said, was very tough, took his lumps, didn't feel like he was ever going to hurt Kakachi, and uh, Kakachi was switching nicely as well. It says on Boxwork actually that the knockdown was caused by a left hook to the head in the fourth round. I thought off the top of my head that it was an uppercut, but I'm prepared to be wrong on that. But anyway, going back to what I was saying at the start, Kakachi's one of these guys. He's always had a lot of talent. Everybody knows from the amateurs that he was a really talented fighter. And uh, it was just a case, I think, of getting the discipline and getting the regular fights. He's got a really old, uh, experienced veteran manager in control of him, Pat McGee who used to manage Brian McGee, used to manage Tommy McCarthy. He's been around the scene for decades, Pat. And he's obviously made this link up with Frank Warren, got him a promotional deal. He showed his worth against Sam Bowen. They've got him out against Woodstock again. Let's get him out again against so Archie Sharp. He's calling out Kakachi. Let's keep him busy, keep him active, give him something to focus on. And I think we'll see the best of him, definitely at British level, maybe up to European level as well. Beyond that, it's always difficult, but he's definitely got the talent and the athletic ability. It's obviously down to heart, discipline and all the other things once you get on beyond that European level. So let's just take things one step at a time, but not too slowly. He doesn't want to hang around now. As I said, he's got the talent. Uh, one more defence or two more defences and then get him up to that European level because I, th I think he could definitely go places with the right team and the right backing behind him. Also, good to see Harry Hawkins in the corner last night. Harry and Mickey Hawkins won run the Holy Trinity gym in West Belfast. And I remember back when, like I said, when Anthony was an amateur and Harry was talking big things about him, telling me how to pronounce his surname correctly. Everything was going on there. And he's back in the corner now. And it looks like that team is working well together of McGee, Warren, Harry Hawkins and Kakachi. So, yeah, good performance and, and good good display from Woodstock in defeat. He was never in danger of winning the fight, but he's very tough. Hey, uh, Steve, I hate to add more bad news to a week that's uh, already lacking boxing, 
But um, while I'm uh, giving shout-outs to the people in the chat, would you mind taking a look and seeing if Jake Paul, uh, if the Jake Paul fight is off, as the people in the chat are saying? Well, they might be trolling you here. We've had Dan Raphael is dead comments coming in the past, Matty, so I'm not sure if uh, they might be they might be trolling. I see. I mean, uh, I can talk. Uh, go on. I don't know, but yeah, if uh, if if if, any, if uh, anybody could search that out and give us a, a positive on that, that'd be great. Um, while that's happening, I'd like to thank uh, the people that are in the chat. I today. See anything, mate. It still seems to be fine. But it looks you good. calm down, you know. I'm, I'm thanking the people in the chat. We'll, fuck we'll the get people. there. Ah, fuck the people. So we got uh, Rob G, Johnny Horsecock, Nelson, Simon Hill, Jim McDonald, Boxing, uh, Paul Rafferty, Dez, Mr. Jones, Amit Sharma, uh, Jason Cheel, Richard Wetton, uh, M. Lithgow, uh, Boxing Barry, N. He doesn't even have a mononym. He just has a letter, N. Simon Hill, Andrew Thicket, Jack WD, John McLean, Patrick Sweeney, and I knew there was a couple more in here. Let's throw a couple more that I saw recently. Let's see. Uh, Daniel Mannion and Chersip. Chersip. And he's the one that says Jake Paul and Woodley is off. Uh, we will see if that mm. is the case, interestingly enough. But we do appreciate everyone in the chat. We appreciate all of those on Patreon with us as well. Um, so, and we will see if that fights off and then, then you're just really boring boxing week. Uh, cause, uh, well, hopefully the undercard fights on that actually go through with Serrano and uh branch are on there. Um, no need for them to lose out if that's the case. Uh, Steve further down that Warren card. Uh, we had my favorite outcome in a fight where I know nothing about the, uh, the competitors with a draw between Ijaz Ahmed and, uh, Kwasi Kadimi. Uh, two, uh, one card each in favor of the fighters and one even card from the judges for this 115 pound domestic fight. Uh, I don't know if you caught this one, but I love a good draw. Well, unfortunately I didn't catch this one. I'm not sure too many other people did as well, because for some strange reason, this fight, which was a rematch, I think Ahmed White might've won the first one. This was a rematch, but for the vacant British super flyweight title. So there was a British title on the line. It was likely to be one of the best fights of the night. It wasn't actually streamed live, even though they did record it. They did have commentary because friend of the pod, Ben Faruqi uh, from Boxing News TV, put up a link earlier for people to watch. I didn't actually get a chance to watch it. But, so I don't know if it was um, a good fight or not. But I'd say that from the talk on Twitter, the likes of Ames and that seem to think it was a decent scrap. But this also leads me, by the way, into something that I was going to mention. Uh, sorry for Mr. Babatundi Kelly. I'm just going to bring up this from Jack WD. A strange running order. I thought that myself, as Andy mentioned. He thought that the show was over after Ennis Brown against Maxwell. Come on. I thought that was on quite early in and around the eight o'clock mark still trying to get the kids to bed at that point Anthony Yard was yet to come we had a guy called George Bans who was kind of thrown on a bit of a four-rounder only his second fight usually a bit of a float uh, fight Kakachi obviously against Woodstock was the main event the British uh, super flyweight fight wasn't even televised so in response to Jack WD's comment there it was a strange running order I just want to bring up something Des said as well, if you don't mind, Matty. He said, who's handling Yard's career? Brought over a middleweight from Columbia, fought him at cruiserweight and surprised he didn't last a round. Why was James Cook, the respected James Cook, holding the spit bucket? Cook was supposed to be brought in alongside Tundi to add this extra tactical advice. And that has Anthony Yard ever cha has he changed at all? Is he sparring now? Will he ever change? Well, given the level of opposition, this is what we've been used to all of his career, apart from the step up against Kovalev and then the step up against Arthur, which he acquitted himself commendably in both times, but lost both times. He has been fed this type of opposition. He's fighting Arthur next. So you can see why they wouldn't want to get a cut or 
or you know some kind of issue. Well, I say he's fighting Arthur next. He might not actually fight him next, but presuming he is, you can see why they would bring someone in like this, a Colombian who's had a lot of wins early on in his career. And then he went on the road to America and all of a sudden he's got a lot of losses. Is he a puncher like his record suggests? Probably not because he's fought lower level opposition at the beginning. But the point I'm trying to make here is Yard, we've seen this all too often. He's knocked somebody out. Has he really learned anything? Is he ever going to learn anything? If he re- They're really that delicate, some of these guys, about putting them in. You can't even put him in against someone who's going to last four or five rounds for fear that he might get hurt or might lose or something. You've got to put him in against something better than that. You can't protect them to a certain degree. What's he going to learn from that to keep the tools sharp, to fight Lyndon Arthur and try and reverse the decision from the first fight? It just doesn't make any sense to me. It's just a complete waste of time. The guy didn't want to be there. And I'm not I'm not really I'm not saying Yard won't put up a good fight against Arthur. He obviously will. The decision could go the other way. But Tehran, I don't want to see people like that in the ring. Absolute waste of time. There you go. Waste of time it is. Uh, uh, the only other fight I have off of there, Liam Davies stopping Raymond Comey with a left hook in the second round in a 118-pound fight. Apparently roughly meaningless as far as I could discern. Um, also in recent news, Gervonta Davis is dropping his 130-pound title. Andy solidifying that thought that I had that he is done and finished as a junior lightweight um what do you think he's going to be campaigning at 135 or do you think that fight with Berrios is going to put him into a 140 pound division with some real heat in it um i don't know mate. it depends where the money's at i think you know floyd's you know again the, the, the clayton belts like sweeties not but was it the 130 belt you said they were, they were vacating yeah yeah, one thirty. One thirty, right? So it's just obviously part of his tidy up and that. Look, I, I want to see him at one thirty-five. You see, you've got Lopez there. Um, but by the way, that career is, is just it's just fucking. You know, I heard the other week there that they're talking about this fight with Cambosis Junior New Hartman during during the week, and it's going to be happening somewhere in the Middle East. And that I mean, <laughs> Tuesday <laughs> evening before Tuesday evening? Fury Wilder. The, the Fury Wilder's on the ninth, I think, which is the Saturday, and it's taking place on the fifth, which is a Tuesday evening. I can't see us up for that one, to be honest with you. Yeah, but me, I want to see him at 135. You know, Lomas, you know, says he was good in his last performance. Um, I thought with that performance that he put on there, it possibly makes the, uh, the rematch bigger. Certainly brings him a bit more interest, a bit more money, possibly. Now. But Lopez has got to handle his shit. Um, and at the minute, he's contractually kind of caught up with this thriller situation. who just seem to be kind of like... You know, tripping, tripping over themselves. And it's October fifth, the next attempt at the fight with Cambosis. Yeah, and I think also they've dropped the price of the pay per view as well. I think I'm right in saying that. So, um, yeah, yeah it's going to be twenty dollars apparently. How much were the charge for initially? Fifty. I think so. Fucking Jesus! They better put uh, some more on there. Right? It's, it's fucking ridiculous. I think they wanted that much for the uh, fucking Michael Hunter fight that they had uh, recently, maybe. Yeah, against White Delight. Yeah, it might have been that one, or maybe no, that one might have been free. There was, was it was quite delayed, was it? No. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's some other fights that they're doing with that, and it, the price for it's ridiculous. They keep trying to put these twenty dollars price tags on shit, and I'm like, yeah. it, man, that it's worthless. It's worse than most zone cards, and, and they haven't exactly been prime shit. Yeah. Just going back to Davis. Um, to be honest, it's hard for me to try and kind of like plot a kind of path here for him because it says Floyd's got his own his own ideas for him. I don't think they'll go doing like unification routes. They might try and cherry pick a belt holder, but it says it's, they've got Taylor up at 140. He's the boss. Lopez is, is the boss, so to speak, at 135. But we want to see the Haney fights. I mean, they were talking about like this, this, this like Fab Four of this generation. None of them's fucking fight. Well, apart from Lomachenko and 
Lopez once, but you know these fights need to happen. And I would love to see Davis fight Taylor, uh, Josh Taylor. That, that is, but again, that is that is a big risk for them. You know, and see, he does win it. You know, it'd be a career-defined uh, win for uh, Javante Davis if he win that fight. But Taylor's just a different animal. Tenning, I think he's probably faced at this point. He would be the so, best guy in both guys' resume. Um, I don't know, like, I, well, well, Davis would be the best guy on on Taylor's resume, and Taylor oh, yeah. would be the best I guy on Davis's resume. Yeah, I think he would be, yeah. possibly, uh, especially when you know, in terms of bangers and that. But I think the names, they've got their names. I'm trying to think kind of more PBC. Like, so I think that's the kind of more um, stable. We kind of sit. Can I, can I maybe run about? Yeah, they're talking about Mikey Garcia coming back. I don't I forget who he, was. It Progre they're talking about him fighting. Yeah, I'd actually yeah. like to see Progre fight Davis. I think the I the, fight I, the, the personality blend too. I think is really good. I just think it would be uh, uh, just a really vicious build up to the fight, and there'd be a lot of attitude in the ring. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that fight to be honest with you. Um, I'm just honest to try to think who, who else is in the PPC roster actually. That. Look, we want to see him in good fights now. He's obviously, I mean, if they're building him up to be this this next star of the sport and that, then that comes with a kind of condition that you go to see him in with kind of like decent opponents, you know. So, you know, it was a good win the last time, and uh, they've, got to, they've got to kind of step up for that, you know, capitalize on that, hopefully. But, um, it's, you know, Davis said it himself that, look, the, the, the only thing he's going about, like, say, the times he gets, like, um, not so much slated and that. But you know how he says, like, every time he wins and that, it's not good enough. It's going to be the next one. It's going to be even better than that. But that's just the kind of... That's probably just the kind of hype that he's got surrounding him at this point in that. Look, he is he is a really good fighter. He's got legit power. And we expect him to be knocking on pound for pound doors and, you know, possibly being, like, maybe the number one fighter in the sport, possibly at one point, that if he can keep his shit together. But we'll just need to wait and see. And... Uh- Steve, what are your what are your thoughts on on the future of Gervonta Davis? It, it done at one thirty. There are some good fights to be made there, but it, it's kind of a question of of uh, who would want to fight him. I mean, the money's got to be right because he's not an easy out for anybody. He's hasn't proven to be that he isn't out at any level for any fighter. Um, it's but but the pay-per-view status on the other hand i mean there should be enough money that gervonta davis can get some of these fights we'd like to see that's true you would think so but they're gonna have to find the right opponent is i think he's an established pay-per-view guy now i can't see him moving back down unless he loses obviously if he keeps winning and against the level he has been doing and delivering you know santa cruz he didn't just cruise to points he nearly killed him man i was worried about santa cruz barrios much bigger battered the shit out of him so he's delivering as well we have to give him his credit so many times guys go onto this pay-per-view platform and don't deliver davis is absolutely delivering and then of course comes with it that the opponents if they're going to be pay-per-view headliners when they fight him they're going to want more money as well so it's, it's going to be difficult i think he's in good hands floyd espinoza even leonard ella big god they say it like but it's all it's in his own hands i think javonta davis as andy mentioned to, uh, there as well if he fucks up outside of the ring then it could all go to shit. But it, it's absolutely down to him. If he keeps delivering in the ring, stops messing about outside, gets his shit together, starts maturing a little bit, I think he's on the cusp of being an absolute superstar. Knocks people out, highlight real knockouts, pay-per-view and all that. I think he could be one of the next stars of the sport, which could be the case of the Wellings curse. So I am taking that into consideration. I have anointed Broner and other luminaries in the past, and I see you jumping in there. So I, I, I am aware of that fact. No, no, I was going to dig you, mate. I was, I was actually going to agree with your comment about Davis not getting shit together. I, I don't It wasn't the Barrios fight, it was a Santa Cruz fight. I was watching a fair bit of the build up and that. And 
when Floyd shut his fucking mouth and Davis actually actually spoke, he actually came across quite engaged yes. and quite thoughtful on that. So he's excellent, I thought. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So if he's just as I say to these before that after that situation, Broner and that, I think Floyd's basically told uh, Davis to fuck Broner off because you just know if you hang about with that guy and that you're only going to go one way, and he just needs to, just needs to kind of get just stay out of the cars, get a fucking valley drive if you go to go and get one. By the way, don't drive cars, don't hit your baby mama, just get up in the morning. Go train, come back. I know, I'm not. I'm asked a lot. You can't of even get on a plane though, yeah. like, and that's I, I another know. part of the equation. He was waiting it down though, wasn't he? It's shit. What happened, man? See, I'm saying, like, these, these, these fucking private jets and helicopters. Not my, I ain't a big Well, good news, up, like, he's not flying anymore. So anyone that wants to fight him is going to have to come to the U.S. unless they start doing some luxury boat trips uh, over to the U.K. that he can pop a ring on. But I'm telling you, no, as I say, I, I agree with Steve saying as well. We expect him or hope that he's going to be this this next, you know, superstar of sport because we're lacking them, man. We fucking are. Mm. We've need mm. a perfect Canelo. Who we got? Joshua? No. Fury's fucking got one foot out of sport. Wilder's practically, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying. There's just nobody there. Josh Taylor, for, you know, for, for the fact he's, he's a great champion, undisputed, isn't he a big star? You know, Yuzik, not a big star. Not even not fighting anyone. Exactly. We're worried about Spence. Spence is even, well, Spence is a big star in Dallas, but you know what I'm saying? We also we've got Lomachenko for all his talents and pedigree and medals and trophies and belts and that. Still isn't a big fucking star. We think because this guy can fucking turn lights out, that's what put asses on seats. You know, go back to Tyson days, for example. Tyson was must-see because he's just fucking flatline people. Davis can do that as well, mm-hmm. but he's got to train, he's got to keep the head, he's got to just be, as you say, mate, mature. Yeah, I'm looking down the list here. You mentioned as well possible future fights. Obviously, we can all accept he's not going to fight at 130 anymore. They're talking about Colbert, who has been had the interim title taken away from him, Decent. possibly fighting the world champion now, who's Roger Gutierrez, who I think was on a DAZN card recently. But anyway, they're talking about them two fighting. Then he's the world champion up at 135. Rolando Romero, our friend Rolly, Mr. Bitchass, has also had his <laughs> interim championship removed. And up at 140, he holds a title as well. Can I just quickly say a word here for all the interim champions who have been deposed Please. during the week by the WBA? Let's have a moment for the boys here. Let's just have a moment for the boys. You've got Daniel Dubois at heavyweight. He's after coming off the loss to Joyce, he managed to end up beating that Dino and <laughs> becoming an interim heavyweight champion. So that's not a good start off the bat, is it? Uh, Robin Krasnitsche was the interim WBA champion at light heavyweight. He has also been deposed. Chris Eubank has been kicked out at middleweight. Alberto Puello uh, was the junior welterweight champion. He's gone. Raleigh, we mentioned him. Chris Colbert, he's had his title taken away as well. Raiz Salim at uh, junior featherweight, which is super bantam. Luis Concepcion just can't catch a break at flyweight. He's been sacked off. Uh, Daniel Matalon and Eric Rosa. So a quick moment for the 10 interim champions who've been uh, fucked off unceremoniously this week, Matty, by the WBA. We needed 10 <laughs> bells for that, by the way. <laughs> How old is Luis Concepcion? Did, he don't have, I remember he, him fighting? He fought Henry Marquez back yeah. in oh, early 2000. What a fight like, that was, dude. 2010-ish, didn't they have, like, three fights? He fought Cal you fine UK, but, what, f- f- I might say four years ago, uh-huh, minimum. Uh-huh. <laughs> God, yeah, he's been around for a damn long time, and uh, for those lower-weight fighters, that's kind of incredible in itself, but anyways, uh, detour there. It's good to see they're getting rid of, like, the WBA is kind of backing up their talk, and I do believe in positive reinforcement, so good yeah, job, but good thing first is, step. Is I say, though, I mean, we'd be like Jerry Maguire at this point, right? Show me the money that I paid for my fucking belt, bitch. <laughs> you know, 
I've not just paid sanction fee to get the fight. I've had to also then pay a fee to get the fucking belt sent to me. Probably postage on top of that. Do you want me to hand it back? For what reason? Because you decided that you're getting public pressure, right? For all and sundry, you think, like, okay, I'm, you're going you're gonna to get stripped of the fucking belt. I, I've been wanting some sort of assurances by that I'm next in line for a fucking title shot. And of course, in boxing, you're, you're, you're assured nothing. Absolute fuck all. Even contracts are get broken up these days and set on fire. That man, what the fuck? Is it? I, I know I'm complaining about the, the fact that they're stripping guys of these belts, but you know what I'm saying? That fucking you know, these guys have probably paid money for these belts and they're getting fucked off. Well, you know, the good news about it all is that a lot of the fighters that are getting stripped and some of the other things that are up in the air are, are all going to purse bid. So at least a lot of these guys are getting a shot at the legit title coming uh, into their next fight or maybe two fights down the road. So well, the good thing the good thing positive. is, Matty, in, according to the ESPN article where I got the list from, it said the move will help to strengthen the gold belt. Without the world champion designation, the gold belt holder will occupy second place in the rankings and have a better chance to fight for the championship. So that's good. The interim has gone. The gold belt will now be strengthened. Huh. It's uh, a <laughs> lot of meaningless words going on there, Steve. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I it's and well, I guess isn't that the problem that they're they're putting belts in for rankings? I mean, it's just ridiculous that they had to apply a belt for a ranking. It's like they're afraid if Jose Gonzalez doesn't have that gold belt when they go to the ring that their bookkeepers don't remember he's number two. You know, what's the fucking deal? Well, I was just going to say actually, and this isn't WB related, but did anybody catch that small video on Twitter during the week there with Mel Gibson getting handed a WBC fucking wrist oh, yeah, belt? I did say that, yeah. What? And the name of the wee man is that all about? <laughs> what belt did they give him? Some sort of kind of like you know how WBC do the kind of miniature belts that you can uh -huh. fit, uh, fit on your dog as a fucking collar or something like that. They gave one to Mel Gibson. <laughs> what, what Mel is Gibson, it? the, the anti-Semitic belt, or oh, the, I don't what know, oh, for? could be anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh man films about jesus belt who knows what the fuck they're thinking in that one um well hopefully that wba madness does uh stop and uh it's good uh as you uh, mentioned rolando romero uh he has decided that uh he's he's not retiring he's back to running his mouth again steve so he's still uh, uh in the uh the running for an ass whooping at some point uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of warming to Rolly, actually. I like that shouting that he was doing. He wanted Davis. He wanted Devin Haney. I think uh, didn't Haney call his bluff and then possibly he turned his back. But um, Eddie was saying that Haney against Rolly is an easy fight. And for once, I might, I might actually agree with Eduardo because he's quite technically deficient, isn't he, R Rolando Romero? He just he throws these wild shots. He sides up. Showed against Yigit that he catches you. He will knock you out. He is a legitimate puncher. But Haney, probably be too smart, especially with that fast jab throughout the 12 rounds. Probably make a mug of him, annoy him, uh, defeat him. And we don't want to see that, do we? So, yeah, I'm happy with Raleigh's shit talk. And I'd like to see him in against the likes of Davis and Haney. If not, to sort of sack off one of these guys. He's lost his interim championship, so he's not going to be happy about that. But I, I wouldn't mind seeing Romero against Haney because it's kind of clearing things up a little bit. We don't need all these guys fishing about. Let's see them fight each other. So I would be in favour of that if the two boys were as well. I, I would like to see him against Haney uh, just because I think he, he is wild enough that there's going to be a knockout one way or the other. Um, it, it might be one of the only ways to make a Devin Haney fight entertaining. <laughs> I, like uh, Haney definitely has is showing signs of being 
uh, the next uh, kind of Rigo fighter moving around the ring uh, at ridiculous rate for no apparent reason at times. But uh, optimistically, optimistically, someone will take him out because, yes, Devin Haney really does get on my nerves. So, well, guys, uh, hopefully Rob will be on here soon. It's a man. It is a slow week, but uh, there have been some good fights that have been announced uh, that are coming up starting in October. Like I said, it's kind of slow going here for a while unless Oscar uh, De La Hoya against Vitor Belfort uh, really get your uh, get your uh, oil moving in the body. But um, as far as looking to October on the 16th, um, you know, we waited uh, nearly a decade for the uh, the rematch and we're getting the uh, the third fight between uh, 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 Francisco Estrada and uh, Chocolatito Gonzalez in less than a year Andy so that's kind of interesting in that and um, coming off of definitely a controversial decision uh, I, I, I'm not quite sure how this one goes I don't know uh, given uh, his, his age and his size if that was Gonzalez last hurrah or if uh, he really started to show that he has Estrada figured out down the stretch. What are your, what's your first inclination? Um, to be honest with you, I just expect another close competitive fight. I think both guys are just made for each other. Actually, it's just a shame it just took so long to get the rematch made. Actually, um, I know there was obviously situations regards to how much money they were wanting. I think TV networks don't want to pay it and that. But look, these guys have always been, been good value for the money and that. And we always had this kind of round robin effect. You had Estrada Gonzalez. Quadras, and then you had the uh, Rungvisai, who's just completely just fallen off the cliff in that, hasn't he? He's just hasn't been able to be seen recently. But th- this fight, um, look, I thought Choco nicked uh, the rematch, to be honest with you. Um, I think there was a narrow wide scorecard. It was just practically a joke in that card, uh, on, on that one. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say another decision fight. And this time I'm going to say Gonzalez again. I'm going to say that he takes a, 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 either a split decision or... A close, competitive, something like 115, 113 temp card. It's going to be competitive all the way. I think uh, these guys, I say, they're just made for each other and that. And you can see Gonzalez having these moments of class and that. But it could also come down to the fact that maybe Gonzalez, this this is the fight that he's just, you know, one step far removed. Who knows? We'll wait and see. Gonzalez, uh, you probably need to see Estrada at this point, possibly. is slightly more fresher, even, what is he, 30, 31, I think, these days. Uh, Gonzalez must be pushing into 35 age now and that and just as I say it's only so long can you kind of fucking keep doing it um, Power's probably know the same at one at one uh, at one to uh, 15 sorry so um, nah, and again he's, he's fighting a very very top fighter and that, so I don't think his power's going to be really much in effect with this one to be honest with you but I, I expect him to do well unless he's just completely went off the cliff and that but uh, since the first fight was, uh, sorry, the rematch was, was competitive, I expect this one to be competitive as well. So wait and see, but it could go either way, but I'm going to go with Gonzalez. He's my guy. I'll go with him to the end. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm looking forward to this one too. As you said, Andy, it's, they're incredibly uh, well suited to, to face each other. And, and Steve, I, I kind of think it's almost like um, how Pacquiao and Marquez were so competitive, regardless of how many times they fought. It's just that Estrada got a shake on the cards, um, which uh, Marquez was never able to get. Yeah, that, that's a good point. I think they are suited to each other. Pacquiao, Marquez as well. Uh, Marquez's brother, Rafael and Israel Vasquez. Sometimes these guys just go together and just blend in, into great stylistic matchups. And this has been the case with these two as well. Every time I thought that um, Gonzalez did win the second fight as well. I thought he was quite hard done to. I can't remember what I scored it, maybe by a couple of points or so. But yeah, there were a few nip and tuck rounds. 
uh, DeZone hopefully will come up with the money. And now that Canelo's disappeared off to PBC and they'll be able to pay these two guys properly. But regarding Gonzalez, I think I really I hadn't really written him off, but I kind of went along with the widespread narrative that he was kind of done after that second rung. Vizai fight, who Andy mentioned as well, talk about a waste of time. He's completely fallen off a cliff. He beat him in the first fight. And then when he knocked him out in that second fight, I kind of thought that would be the end of Gonzalez. Then he went on that crazy little run and it was the knockout of Cal Yafai. That made me think, become a bit of a believer again. And maybe he isn't done. Maybe he's not over the hill anymore. And he has something left to offer. And he showed in the Strada rematch that he certainly does have something left to offer. And then I'm back to the same old thing again now in October if the fight takes place. Is he back over the hill again as Estrada punts that last bit of resistance out of him? We, we won't know. I expect Estrada to win this again. I think he's maybe not got his number, but on the judgy scorecard, he just knows when to win those rounds. Do you do that little bit more at the right time? And 34-year-old Gonzalez, maybe they age in dog years, these guys down there, and he's had 53 fights. And I think Estrada might just be a little bit busier. It'll be controversial again. Some people think Gonzalez has won, and Estrada will just do that little bit too much for him. And um, Gonzalez, I don't know where he'll go after that, but I'll be loath to write him off again. But yeah, I'll go, I'll go for Estrada, I think, in the in the third fight. But it'd be, it'd be a cracking fight as long as Gonzalez hasn't finally rolled over that hill. Yeah. And Andy, I think the other connection that we're going to see um, kind of between Gonzalez and Pacquiao, um, I, I think they're both going to be very good fighters as long as they're uh, putting in the effort in the gym and their legs are there. I, I think that's the equivalent. And much like Pacquiao, uh, Gonzalez doesn't have the legs that he once had. Um, you know, he, he was more turning corners and landing combinations, different sides of you, all in the same 15-second sequence. Um, he was really special. But uh, but again, uh, is it's all about the legs for him. And if they're there, he's going to be a competitive fighter at whatever weight class he's campaigning in that's reasonable. Yeah, well, if you look at his kind of footwork, um, he used to attack and that, he'd be kind of coming and then move it in like an L shape and that. I don't know if he's still got that. Again, he was always good with his combination punch and kind of like, say, you know, especially his output. Um, the other thing, in terms of Parker, I mean, I don't think, like you say, you know, when you compare the rest of them, the one thing with Gonzalez is that he usually he can maybe throws a slight against him really is, he can let himself get out of shape a wee bit and um, you can see him kind of get pudgy about the face and that. So you just wonder how much, you know, it's 35, it's just Steve says and that, like, these guys aging dog years and that, you know, it's got to come at an end at some point and he says if he's stripping weight off him at 35, he's well into what, 50, must be mid-50 odd fights and that by this point now. 53? 53 fights. Um, well, he doesn't, he just doesn't have like that piss and vinegar that Mayorga has that just carries you on regardless of how out of shape you are. Yeah, true. But um I forgot the question. What was the question? Sorry. <laughs> if 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 Gonzalez will remain competitive as long as his legs are still there. All right. Um yeah I think he will to a point that it's, it's I think when you see him taking a sustained punishment, I think that's when it's time to go. Um Funny enough, that I'm reading Tris Dixon's book and that it's actually kind of making me reassess that when a fighter should maybe get out of the sport and that because some of the fighters that we've discussed on the show and that maybe me and Steve discussed in the past and that like on punches for the past, guys, guys like Ray Robinson, Ali, Joe Frazier, all that type of thing and that, all these guys come to me brain damage and that and you, want, you, you wouldn't want to see like the Gonzalez, you know, you think about Arguello, for example, the punishment he took in his, in, in his, in his career become a bit of a cocaine habit and then they end up killing himself apparently so you wonder what much that was doing depression caused him by knocks to the head and that well, he was quite he fond of Rome, of, of Rome exactly. too, wasn't he exactly he was I remember him for, for, for a kid and that as well took him into the gym and he, uh, 
Aguelos Jim and that. Uh, big, he's a big, uh, big supporter of him. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, you just, you just, I don't want to see him getting punched out of the sport. I want to see Choco leave as the legend that he is, the first Ball Hall of Famer that he will be. But I didn't want to see him because it was like Pacquiao last week, wasn't it? Pacquiao didn't get punched out of the sport. He took a, he took enough, shall we say? Look, he say, look, listen, look, Manny, you, you, you didn't take a beating there. Like, it could have been far worse. It's time to go. You're full. Oh, and uh, we lost, we we lost to Andy. Uh, hopefully the North Koreans haven't gotten to Scotland. <laughs> that was a bit weird, wasn't it? Can't really connect him was. either. Can't really yeah. connect him. Huh. Oh. Is... Hopefully he comes back on. Uh, I can hope so. so yeah. <laughs> so in a slow week of boxing, uh, Andy, uh, Andy went to oblivion and you got, uh, Stephen Maddie here, uh, talking about, uh, fights coming up in October because there's not a whole lot coming on in the next week. Hey, there's Andy. Oh, praise be to You're fine. Um, Where'd they get caught off of it? Oh, uh, we were yeah, just we were still talking about uh, Gonzalez and Estrada and right. Pacquiao, but uh, but anyhow, um, it, with within that month, uh, th- this is a fight that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, on uh, the week after, on October 23rd, Jamel Herring taking on Shakur Stevenson. Uh, last we saw of Jamel Herring, uh, he was stopping. Carl Frampton uh, in a fight where he looked very strong. He had a great jab. He was uh, throwing good uppercuts when Frampton tried to work his way inside. Uh, you have a question, how much was left of Carl Frampton? And uh, I'll tell you what, Steve, this this fight should show a lot on that one. Um, Shakur, uh, you know, much like Devin Haney, incredibly skilled, talented. It's, it's clear he's got the pedigree, um, but he's just boring as fuck and i just don't know if he has another gear if he doesn't man a hard-working marine just could take him down the stretch yeah absolutely i'm looking forward to this fight i'm glad it's been made because it seemed like the logical fight to make and then all of a sudden we kept hearing oh no they don't think they're going to do it they're going to go different routes and i was kind of annoyed about that so if it is going to be set in stone then it's something that needs to happen it is a logical fight and as you said about herring he put frampton to the sword and you know i've been a frampton fan all ever since he turned pro, followed him all over the world and whatever, you know, England, America and everything. And he was just done on that night and Herring just completely took control of the fight and did a complete job on him. So I was very impressed with that. I am a bit concerned about this fight, though. I don't see anything other than a Shakur Stevenson win. He's an arsehole out of the ring. Don't like him at all. In the ring, he's death by a thousand cuts. He's like Devin Haney. He's constantly defensive, fighting off the back foot. He's not a puncher whatsoever. Is he protecting his chin? Is he worried what's coming back? There was no reason to be going the distance with guys like Jeremiah Nakathila. If he had anything about him, he should have been putting him to the sword. Same as Toka Khan Clary. Took him six rounds to get rid of Felix Caraboyo. The fight against Joet Gonzalez. I watched all 12 rounds of them. Absolutely terrible. He's not a puncher and or he's protecting his chin. And I just think he's going to outbox Herring. I just It's just the way boxing goes. I would love to see Herring win. I think it would be the best thing for the sport on every level. Although then, I suppose down the line, you are taking away Stevenson in these big money fights against potential future rivals. So that's one thing. But I just think Stevenson will win. I think he'll outbox him. I think he'll do just enough to win. And uh, that's just the way the boxing gods deliver these things to us. So, unfortunately, uh, the the good story, the good news story, would be Jamal, Jamal Herring, nice guy that he is, to uh, maintain his his title and win a defence. But I think, uh, yeah, it all points to Stevenson on points to me. 
Andy, are you in agreement with Steve, or do you think that uh, Jamel might be able to utilize that height and reach advantage to uh, his benefit against Stevenson? I don't know, mate. I, I kind of agree with everything Steve was saying there. I just think it's set up for Stevenson to kind of take over. You know, Herman's talking about retirement. Um, he's a big dude for the weight, and I just don't know, maybe I'm stripping that weight off one more time because could be it. But yeah, well, listen, Frampton, you know, was, is, and was an aggressive fighter, I thought. Uh, and I did, I did what as I did say to you guys, I was worried about him fighting the likes of uh, Herman, who's got a real good uppercut and that. I just think if he can catch Stevenson, um, he's going to pile in and try and end the fight. Now he doesn't want the, he doesn't want this going twelve rounds. I don't think. And if it's anyway semblance of close, he's not getting a decision. And I'd, I'd hate to see him go. Like that. I want to see him try and win this fight, win the fight, get a good payday off the back of it, and maybe try and get a, a, some sort of kind of super fight or you know unification, big payday and that. Off the back end of it, because I think they tried to fuck him over as well with the purse split. Again, this is one of these WBO rules that was going back to the what is that rule again, mate? About the about the mandatories and you know, it's, it's a combination of your purse bids or your purses that over the last three fights and that. And he was get, he was getting fucked with the money and that as well. So I think they tried to kind of like dog him out the title basically, so Stevens could then get a free run at it. So I don't know. If, you know I didn't know about the business side of it, how it was been tied up, man. But the, the, the fight's happening good. I want I want to have him to win. Stevenson just greats with me actually. So um, he just he's just that new generation type Instagram type you know nonsense and that. It's all about you know it's all about the following. It's not about the boxing and that. You know he's got good money so far at this point. And I always maintain that fighters who get too much money too soon. I think the hunger can start to go. And the boss he's born for me to watch. You know that Joe Gonzalez fight was awful. Um, you heard Timothy Bradley um, slightly kind of dogging him a wee bit on the broadcast actually in his last fight and he's I don't know if he's still with Andre Ward or some sort of management and that even Andre Ward he kind of piped up at some point in that as well during the broadcast saying listen yeah you've got, to be, you've, got to be, you've got to do more than this and then afterwards I've seen him on either Instagram or something on Twitter at least uh, he's got all his pals after the fight and that at the pool party popping off fucking Dom Perry on champagne costing whatever thousands it is and that you know, good enough for him you know, really good enough for him in that, but as I say, we didn't want to be seen shit like that. I didn't want to be seen shit. I just want to see good fights in the ring. And uh, to me, at least, he's never provided me with anything highlight real or even otherwise that's going to make me want to go back and watch him. So I watch this fight purely because I, I like Hearn. Um, he's got a good story in that as well. But um, and I want to see him win. I want to see him win, win by stoppage in that as well, just so we could maybe be done with this kid because. Again, as I say, he just does nothing for me. He's no exciting to watch. He doesn't up the gears. Hasn't got, you know, I don't think he's going to have the pop as well up at, you know, this level, shall we say. I'll be surprised if he wins by knockout, shall we say, if it does come down to that. Um, so we'll wait and see. But yeah, hopefully Hearn pulls it off. Yeah, I, I'd like to see it too. I, I like uh, <clears throat> Jamel Herring quite a bit. Uh, he's a guy you can definitely pull for. He, he's not an ass. Uh, it's a shame that I don't think that they'll be able to make a fight between the winner of this and uh, Chris Colbert because I think that would definitely be a good scrap, uh, a worthwhile fight. Um, and then two weeks after that, November 6th, uh, Steve, we are going to uh, get the fight between Canelo Alvarez and Caleb Plant. Unfortunately for us in the United States, Canelo will not be doing this on DAZN, where I would be able to watch it with my subscription. No, this will be on (laughs) pay-per-view. So, um, early thoughts on uh, Canelo Alvarez against Caleb Plant from you, Steve. 
Eddie, he sat down, didn't he, with Canelo? Decided to let, so decided to let Eddie Reynoso do the negotiations this time. You know, just leave it to Eddie. Al Heyman doesn't want to talk to me, so he's going to step back. And we have made a decision. We've made a decision, us, me, and Team Canelo, <laughs> to, to go over to PBC <laughs> and not have it on the zone. So that that's that, that's good stuff for Eddie. He's still his guy, though, Steve. He's still his guy, though. Yeah. Yeah, well, if, you need, if you need someone to carry the spit bucket, then you know where where he is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you brought a fajita, Eddie's a man to call. <laughs> Good old Eddie, he's negotiated it onto the PBC anyway. But yeah, I am looking forward to it. It obviously makes complete sense. Canelo got the WBO last time, or Saunders got the WBA or some version of the trinket, I suppose, off Rocky Field, and he's since been elevated or eliminated or something or other. But he's a WBA champion anyway. And the WBC, which I believe off the top of my head was vacant, he won that against Callum Smith. So it's just the, the final piece of the jigsaw puzzle now. The IBF against Caleb Plant, I think it just made sense. I think Plant was grandstanding. He wanted more money, rightfully so, some would say. And uh, Canelo's gone over to PBC, got his little guarantee. Whether he'll stay there or go back to DAZN and Eddie, we don't know. But it just makes sense. The winner is the undisputed champion, uh, fighter of the year, Canelo, definitely, considering what he's done. He beat up the main man, Avni Yildirim, and then Saunders, as I say, and then Plant. I don't give Plant much of a chance, to be honest. Uh, he's flashy. He's he's fast. But you need a dig to keep Canelo off. He'll just keep marching forward all the time, jabbing away, jabbing to the body, hitting your arms, trying to wear you out. And then he makes room later on in the fight for that big left hook, or as Sergei Kovalev found out, that big right hand. And that's going to be sitting there waiting for Caleb Plant. And Plant is going to have to do a hell of a lot to win it on the, the scorecards and win enough rounds in the judges' eyes, which means he's going to have to stand and fight and really cement his position in the ring, which also leads to danger because he ain't the puncher. Even though he's fighting a guy who started off his career age 15, some 16 years ago as a super lightweight, Canelo is a legitimate puncher, which is a little bit suspicious to me. He's been caught in the past. I'll say that on record, no problem. It is suspicious that he's banging out these bigger guys, but he's definitely a bigger puncher than Caleb Plant. And Plant's going to have to put in the absolute performance of his career to get anything in this. I just don't see anything else than Canelo points, maybe even stopping him. For all of his defensive slickness, Plant has come out of fights in the past looking a bit touched up, looking like he's been hit by a car at times, even though he's supposed to be um, a guy who moves well. And I think he's just going to be, yeah, I think he'll go into his shell in the last few rounds and try and see out the distance. But there's only one winner for me, and it's Canelo. But I don't blame them. He's fighting a fellow champion, getting good money, and they're sorting out the shit at 168. So what's not to like about this fight? Yeah, as as long as it's a fight of meeting, uh, you know, beyond this, uh, hopefully uh, Canelo kind of does the free agent thing and maybe they can make uh, something happen with Benavidez, um, who will be fighting the week after. We'll be touching that in a moment. Uh, But Andy, what are your thoughts here? Um, Are you with Steve in believing that uh, the blackest man in boxing is uh, going to a dead end? Yeah, um, I'll I'll actually go one step and say that Canelo stops him late, actually. Um, a lot of dreams out there for for, for Plant to pull this off. I think he's a, a sweet, slick mover and that. To be honest with you, I don't think uh, Plant brings anything, and I mean anything that Canelo hasn't seen so far in his career at this point, or even dealt with. You know, if he's if he's fucking, if if you if you, if people say that, that like a Plant is as good as Lara, uh, that ilk and that, then fucking Canelo's seen it. He's done it. Um, and to be honest with you, Canelo is levels above anything that Plant's fought at this point in his career. Um, I've watched a bit of him um, coming up. Not I've watched some of his, his kind of title fights, Uskatagi, for example, Mike Lee. Um, but I just think he's if it's not been you know, 
I just don't think it's man you know, his career at this point hasn't he really kind of prepared him for a fight of this magnitude, I don't think. I think it's easy work. I'm gonna say it's easy work for Canelo actually. Um possibly even save the softest bit or the easy, easiest one for last actually. I'll even go far as saying that. I just do not believe that Plant has got the gas tank. Um, he has got good moves now. He's got a decent variety of combinations that, but he can get cut up. He can get t- he can get touched. And I think at some point he's going to he's he's going to be moving the whole fight. I think I think Canelo's going to try and walk him down, like he did with Saunders. And that. I think this 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 is going to kind of go on the kind of same lines as Saunders fight. You'll have a couple of moments. Uh, you'll see Canelo load up his shots, possibly the left hook, and just banging the right hand in there as well. And at some point he's going to yield, and I'll see. Canelo stops him within 10, 11 rounds. Um, maybe even sooner. That depends if he catches him sweetly. Who knows? But good to get a, uh, good to get the fight on. Obviously, and that you know, get on, on, yeah, another undisputed champion at another weight class. And that, but I just think this is easy, easy work for Canelo. I might be wrong, but it's just you know my initial take on it was at the time when the fight got, was getting muted or, you know, close to getting made and that, I'm saying to myself, I just fancy Canelo to do this and do it pretty well and that. It's basically based off, like, say, like, you know, Saunders, like, you know, people, you know, some people need to remember that Saunders was getting, like, touted as, like, you know, oh, it's the slickest, the slickest white man in boxing. Now it's all about Cully Plant being the, the slickest white man in boxing and that. As Mike Tyson says, your complexion's not going to be your protection this time, by. so, uh, yeah, I can think, uh, I can think Canelo's going to do it and do it pretty well, do it emphatically, actually. And uh, Steve, we're we're here on uh, we're here on uh, Sunday, uh, November seventh. Talking, did uh, uh, did Canelo have a tougher fight with Caleb Plant, uh, Callum Smith, or Billy Joe Saunders? Mm, well, it depends how you define a tougher fight. I think that he might have he had trouble getting Callum Smith out of there to a certain degree. I think if because Callum Smith just went completely into defensive mode. If he had tried to fight in a, on any level with Canelo, he would have got stopped. Uh, Saunders gave, messed him about for a couple of rounds, but despite what people will say, as soon as he took that big shot, he didn't want it anymore, which we've been over that in the past, not going to get stuck into that again. So realistically, did Saunders really give him a tough fight for a couple of rounds, two or three rounds out of eight rounds? So probably not. So I think the fact that Caleb, Caleb Plant... Might be a little bit more elusive than the others. As I said before, is he going to conclusively win rounds with his power? Is he going to have enough to stop Canelo from thinking about coming inside? No. So that's going to be a problem for him. So from a messing about point of view and a toughness point of view, I do think Plant will bite his gum shield down and fight. I don't think he's going to quit, which isn't a dig on any any previous fighters that have fought Canelo. He's, you know, he's going to get dog it out. So possibly the lesser of three evils. Yes, I think Caleb Plant might give Canelo more trouble but it's like picking between the electric chair being hung and being stoned, as in I think he's just going to hang around for a bit longer and be a little bit more competitive than the other two. Yeah, at the end of the day, if uh, Caleb Plant is able to see the final bell and uh, and he was able to nick a couple of rounds, I, I guess you'd have to give him the nod in comparison yeah, to the other exactly. ones. Um, but uh, that remains to be seen. I'll tell you what I'm thinking. Uh, joining us on the call, Rob Kelly, Rob, my initial thoughts on uh, Canelo against Plant is I think uh, Canelo's going to get him so worried about getting uh, smoked downstairs uh, in the early and mid rounds that, uh, you know, uh, somewhere around the eighth or ninth or after upstairs, he's going to catch Plant uh, because Plant's going to be looking down and Canelo's going to go up. You're telling me that Canelo's going to smoke the plant? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Hey, my brother. Uh, (laughs) Um, 
Um, I think I kind of I subscribe to Steve Wellings's view on this one. Um, I think Plant's going to give him a right tough night. Not tough night in that he's going to win the fight or he's going to hurt Canelo or anything like that. But I think he's going to fucking use his get it use his uh, bike and can I, he lo- he moves a little bit differently than Billy Joe Saunders, Caleb Plant. He's a lot kind of I'd say a little bit smoother in the transitions between getting in and out, and he's very accurate. Now, a lot of people say Billy Joe Saunders can really dig or whatever. I don't know. Um, I think you're going to have to car- carry some power to hurt Canelo. But there is those shots that you don't see. And Caleb Plant seems to be very adept at throwing those ones as well. So I think he'll make it a tough enough night for Canelo. A, t- a tough night for Canelo to look good in all rounds, put it that way. But it's one of those ones where I don't really see him being in danger of losing the fight at any stage. Plus, if it's tight fight. He's not getting it anyway, kind <laughs> of. So fucking, you know. Even if he goes out, and, uh, I think that's a, yeah, that's guaranteed. That's guaranteed. So he's going to have to knock uh, Canelo out. Caleb Plant, can he knock Canelo out? I don't know. Could he drop him? Maybe catch him with something that he doesn't see. Possible. It's a possibility. But Canelo has been has shown in all of his recent outings that he's completely on top of his game. Completely on top of his game. Matter of fact, I think people got overexcited because Billy Joe Saunders won a couple of rounds against him. Because you don't see that that often, I don't. I don't think many fighters have even taken a round off Canelo on this uh, since he's kind of moved north to sixty-eight um, and above to seventy-five on the rare occasion. So I'm glad the fight's made because it's it's the only opponent out there apart from Batarbiev for Canelo in it. Like Benavides, ah um, oh, fucking Benavides, Benavides, me whole man, Benavides. We've been waiting Benavides to get it together for another fucking five years. He's either on coke or he's not. He has COVID or he has some. Well, and I think Aram might want to cash him in. You know, he gets in a bunch mm. of trouble. Bob Aram's ninety. You know, if they can get it, Canelo's a free agent. If they can make it happen, I think they would make it happen. But again, like you're talking about fellas that could give Canelo. Can Benavides do anything with Canelo? I don't know, man. If he lives, if he's that dedicated, he, him and Caleb Plant have a kind of a, a back and forth with verbals between the two. But I think- he's the only guy at one sixty eight who's a real high volume fighter i think that is the variable compared to some other fighters but i'd have to pull up his record there but how active has benavidez been even he's fucking here between servant suspensions and injuries and covid he's fucking barely fought in the last four years yes he showed promise but can he fucking can he do anything with canelo i don't know man like and i think him and him and caleb plant have an interesting rivalry and I think the difference between him and Plant, who's not getting off scot-free, by the way, he's a bit of a fucking jerk job with, it, with his Instagram fucking posting his Instagram sneaker collection and all this shit. I don't give a shit about all that. Like, but I think there's a big difference between the commitment levels of Caleb Plant and Benavides. And at that level, like if you want to compete with, with Canelo, better you better be doing it outside the ring. Do you know what I mean? You better be doing, doing your part outside the ring. You better be training. You better be dedicated and all that. Because he won't fucking take a round off him when it comes to it. Because as I mentioned, he's on top of his game and he's he's the biggest star in boxing he's the biggest money maker in boxing and he's been holding up his end of, end of the bargain as that star for the last two to three years ever since fucking mexican meat gate so i don't see anyone 68 and 75 touching him at the moment maybe beat or beef bring back beat or beef um he might have too much from but even at that man i don't know i don't see any of them beating him but in terms of plant and canelo happy that it's finally on Evening head, loving the fajitas, getting fucking the fight made for Mexican Independence Day Evening in head, November. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, Rob, don't listen to me. He's still his guy, though. He's still right, his guy. Still his guy. If I'm just going to take a step back, be still part of the team. Yeah, there's no egos involved here. No, no egos, egos involved. With Eddie, egos. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie the eagle. So, Evening uh, head. Evening head. 
Uh, yeah, that's my take. Sorry, dude. Go ahead. Now, do you? Uh, I guess more importantly is if Plant loses, what do you think is going to happen to his credibility in the black community? Um, well, fuck, I don't know. He's still he's still <laughs> there with the misses, any like so. I don't know. I don't know. Has he got much credibility in the black community? I don't. Know. I don't I know. Think, and they yeah. adopted him as one of their own. I don't know what the crack is with, with Caleb Plant. There, um, I couldn't make a comment on that. Well, um, he's from Tennessee or Kentucky or something like that. And he's Nashville, like, Tennessee. Is is he from? Does he live in Nashville? Uh, I thought he might Nashville, have been more from I, the sticks. They're very tolerant to black people doing that naked image, like you know. Touch touch the Paul Walls <laughs> about him. Is that what you're saying, Maddie? <laughs> You know, if he was from Memphis, I think he would have some black credibility. Like that—that's a town where, like, if you don't have black friends, you probably don't have friends. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, yeah, I couldn't. I can't really give you too many insights on where the black community whole Caleb plant. They might adopt him if he beats Canelo. I don't know, man. Who knows? He, he might get adopted by the Mexicans too, and he might be having to learn how to uh, do some uh, some sort of a Mexican seasoning next time he fries chicken. You don't know these well, that's, things. That, that's the that's the kind of thing. It it'd be refreshing if you get like a white fighter come out and say, "I want to fight with a black style," rather than every fucking white fighter that goes to or any fighter from any other fucking Eastern European country that goes to America and says they want to fight in a Mexican style, even though they fight fucking not like Mexicans. So, <laughs> it might be it might be an interesting change. Like, yeah. Every time I see a white guy with his glove in front of his chin and his lead arm in uh, in front of his belly, a la Floyd, I, uh, I I instantaneously think, oh man, how long is it going to be before this guy gets knocked out? He's fucked. Well, actually, if you want to go back, there's a great there's a great uh, instant clip. I don't want to fucking I'm not taking the piss out of By the way, there's an instant clip on a uh, Mustafa boxing. Uh, Eddie Mustafa Hammond, I think that is his Instagram. But it's a great clip of Manny Stewart talking about the benefits. Of holding your lead lead hand low, and uh, goes back to all the greats, the Walcott, the Charles, the Robinson, the water, all of them held their hand out, and the benefits of fighting out of that style. Sorry for being that's actually serious boxing talk. Let's fucking let's not stick on that for too long. No, no, worthy worthy discussion. I uh, you know I think it's been a slow week, Rob. It's been a very yeah. very slow week. Um, I'm here <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, so anyhow, that looking forward to that. Hopefully, it doesn't get covid it out of the fucking universe like so many other fights have and push down the road um and the week after that uh we're going to hopefully see speaking of fights that got knocked out by covid uh that's the date that uskatagi against benavides has been moved to andy my contention is that uskatagi has a couple of good wins but the guys that they're against i really don't actually think that highly of and i actually think that benavides is gonna kick the shit out of uskatagi your thoughts yeah, I think so, mate. Again, depends on Benavides turn up in shape, you know, in the fighting mood. And that. I, I do think, you know, when he gets started, that he is he's, he's a very bad customer. They got a lot of violence about him. Uh, plant fight, as you guys were mentioning, that, that was the one we wanted to potentially see. Now, I think there, there is um, a bit of beef there. I don't know what the situation is there. But, but, you know, the guy's been deep. He's been with Darrell a couple of times, I think. He's obviously fought Plant. Uh, I'm talking about Uskadagi here, obviously. Not he's fought, I think he's fought Matt Korobov. So anytime he's kind of like supposedly stepped up again in class against the kind of like good amateurs who come into the pros, not belt holders, not he's come up short. I think it'll be the same here as well. And for Benavidez, I think it's purely ticking over. Um, I just don't know why he doesn't move to one seven five. To be honest, but I, I keep saying to you guys now, if if he is this fucking total, you know, bad man, he wants to portray that he wants to do. 
plant some damage and that, right? He's going to go to 175 for me. Then we'll see how fucking bad a dude he is and that. But he's wanting to hang about, he's wanting to hang about 168. He looks awful when he tries to make the weight. Looks skinny, looks drawn in and gone. Right? He's only there for like the plant fight. So he's just another weight cheater for me, to be honest with you. Plus, as I say, he's got the issues with the outside the ring, the drug tests. He's been a champion, he's either been stripped or he's gave up the belt or whatever. And that. I forget what, 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 what it is again and that. But um, yeah, he's another one I want to see kind of like step up a wee bit in that as well. Kind of like either go to 175 or get these fighters at 168. I mean, he has fought absolutely nobody. Nobody of note in the last when. I, I can't remember. Who's the last? Who's got to, uh, so I'm talking about uh, Benavides here. Like, you know, I'm trying to think of the actual top fighter that he's actually faced. Jesse Hart. Duel. Darrell. He's never fought Jesse. No, no, fought? I, I'm thinking, You're thinking of, of Ramirez. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying, but as I say, again, another career, and he's like mid 20s and that, so again, get a move on. But wait and see, as I say, is I, I expect Benavides to stop him. I'll go 10, is it 12 rounds? I'll say it'll, it'll be an eight, nine, ten round stoppage for Benavides. Steve, what are your thoughts on this? I, I think it'll be a fun fight. Um, I, I just don't know that they're matched in skill and talent. No, I agree. I expect Benavides to get the job done. I am actually a bit of a Benavides fan. Um, I interviewed him a few years ago. He was on the one of the Frampton Santa Cruz undercards, and some of the guys you interview them and they come across. He came across as a nice guy, so I've been following his career ever since. And there's a good four-part documentary series on YouTube. I think it's called Under the Wraps, and the guys were following Benavides around. And he had an excuse for the missing weight uh, against Alexis Roma Angulo. And was it, yeah, Angulo, yeah. And he said that it was because of the COVID and he couldn't, he hadn't got access to like the sweat machine, the, you know, the sweat rooms and the running machines and all this. And he kind of put, coke. Just, sorry, coke and, just take some coke and only eat. Oh, exactly. Exactly. I know he's, yeah. He had his excuses for that as well. I know he comes from a bit of a rough family. I think Jose is no angel either. And the old man's doing his best to keep them on the straight and narrow, but he is pretty young. I think he is cheating the weight a little bit and his inevitable future will be up at 175, which is a bit strange considering he was beefing back and forward with Jamal Charlo recently. And he said, oh, I'll come down to 160 and fight. Yeah. I don't know. God knows what he would look like there if he boiled down to, to 160. I don't think that's a realistic proposition, but maybe if Charlo moved up they could get that fight on the thing I like about Benavidez is he's just relentless he showed a decent beard so far I think Ronald Graville in their first fight might have dropped him he definitely gave him a lot of trouble enough trouble to warrant a rematch but he just seems to like hurting people laying that beat down smiling as he batters you round after round knowing that he has the power to just make you submit did that against Durrell did that against Ronald Ellis in his last fight he was very brave took his licks but was never in any danger of winning the fight at the moment, he hasn't fought that type of level of opposition, but he just loves laying beatings on people. And because of his size and his enthusiasm, and I think he's a generally decent enough fella, I think he's going to do pretty well for himself. And even as a B-side, I want to see him in these big fights because I think he adds a lot to the party. That said, he definitely needs a title. In fact, he keeps on giving up this WBC title all the time, whether it's for cocaine or for weight or whatever Ooh. he is. Fuck, fucking, fucking about if, it. If so. you live that close to the border, you <laughs> use cocaine too. <laughs> exactly, in, in, in Arizona. But the fact that he needs a title because he's a who-needs-him club kind of guy, so no one's going to fight him off their own back. He needs a title to unify with somebody and to make him relevant in the eyes of opponents. Otherwise, no one's going to fight him because he brings a lot to the table that he will lay. I think he will lay a beating on some very good fighters over his career. A quick word on Uskategi, never been stopped before. If Benavides can become the first man to do that, fair play. I like Uskategi, I think he's a good fighter. Got dropped a couple of times by Plant, which maybe is a bit of a concern. And I always felt sorry for him, well not felt sorry for him, but kind of 
rooted for him to some degree after that whole Durrell nonsense in the first fight when that scumbag Leon Lawson sucker punched him in the corner. So I have a bit of a soft spot for Uskategi, but um, I think Benavidez will be finding the soft spots on whenever this is in a couple of weeks' time or a couple of months' time. And I think he'll, he'll lay a beating on him and look to stop him. It, uh, I Like I said, I think it's going to be an entertaining fight. Um, but, uh, Rob, I guess the question everybody is would want to ask is, is if you were David Benavidez and you had his money and you lived where he lived, would you do cocaine? No, I don't think it'd be my twist. I'd be more looking for that smoke with the Kayla plants. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's definitely a smarter decision. You don't yeah. have to uh, you don't have no, to worry nice about Ganja doesn't uh, get cut with fentanyl. That's I definitely be, a positive. See, the thing about it is, you wouldn't you wouldn't believe it from uh, being a listener on this pod. But I don't actually want to do that much talking, uh, and I definitely don't want to be sweating that much. So I don't want to be all hyped up sweating, talking the air off someone. I'd much rather lay in the cut. You know what I mean? So it's not really my. Uh, that's not my twist for sure, but uh, you know, knock yourself out, whatever the fuck you're into. As as Benavides, as Benavides has shown, whatever you're into, like Benavides loca, you know what I mean. That's the problem, though, Rob, is that uh, cocaine uh, really doesn't knock you out, but it can knock out your career, uh, unfortunately. So. Uh, unless uh, you're looking for, you know, 24 hours of excitement, uh, probably stay away from the candy. But anyhow, we have managed to get past an hour. I'm proud of that. It's been a slow week. Um, start doing some previews here. Coming up on Wednesday, uh, gosh, uh, this would be coming on probably about lunchtime for you guys. Comes on about 4 or 5 in the morning here for us in the, in the States. But uh, two former... Minimum weight champions getting it on at 115 pounds. Kazuto Ioka taking on Francisco Rodriguez Jr. Uh, with uh, Ioka's WBO belt on the line. Uh, Ioka has only lost to Runrong and Nietes, two uh, exceptional fighters. Runrong really has a hell of a reach on him. Uh, Rod- uh, Rodriguez Jr. has not lost since he uh, faced Moises Fuentes at 108 in 2015, uh, but he did have a split decision in his last fight against 50. 15, 13, and 4, Martin Tequea Patia. I know I'm saying that wrong, but damn it, Andy, I gave it a good rip. Um, it's still, it's a decent fight. I do think that Ioka fills out to the weight better than Rodriguez Jr., though, and I could see a late stoppage, maybe mid-round even. Yeah, I think so, mate. I think it'll be pretty quick. You know, Ioka's, uh, this part of his career, he's been really good in that. Obviously, he's come off that, that really good performance against uh, Tanaka, a really good fight. Uh, really kind of set. I was surprised actually you know, how good he actually looked. You now he's kind of like looking for that anyway fight. So I'd be really up for that one. But Rodriguez Jr., I think at this point in his career, mate, to be honest, we haven't come up through the weights from minimum weight up to what is it, super flyweight now, I think this fight's at. Um, is it belt on the line for this fight, aye? Cause I? Be, I, I haven't really noticed that until about half an hour ago I noticed this fight was actually happening. Is it actually for, yeah, for a belt? Yeah, it, yeah it's, it's one 15-pound belt. The one, uh, who did he take that off of? Tanaka? Tanaka. Yeah, Tanaka. Tanaka, Tanaka yeah. So it's going to be belt, right? Okay. Um, at this point, I've got to say, Ioka does a mid-stoppage, mid I think. I think uh, Rodriguez will be decent for a few rounds now, but I think once uh, Ioka gets the jab going, starts kind of like laying in the, the left hooks, he kind of like likes to drop to the body and that. I think I could see him maybe Wilton Rodriguez kind of mid-rounds, who, I forget how many fights he's had, but it must be well into 40 mark at this point, because I say he's been over the course, fought all the guys at the lower weights and that, you know, names like uh, Sabio, Takayama, who were mentioning that, obviously, uh, all fair, fought Gonzalez, uh, Choco, that is, Fortinetes, Fuentes, 
think he's even fought a couple of NUA opponents now. When NUA's come up through the ranks, I think he even fought Hernan Marquez. So he has been in with some good operators now, but I just think it's a step too far from at this point. Come up through the weights, he was good at was it 105 and 108 and that, but he's up at 115 now. Yeah, I think it's just a step too far. So he's, he's got a decent dick about him as well, so he might have something to kind of get Ioka to think about in that. But I just think, you know, Ioka being on home turf, um, you know, a bit for it as well. And to be honest with you, I haven't seen Rodriguez in a wee while, actually. I don't know how active he's been, to be honest with you, either. Um, so it could be coming down to that. I don't know his opposition. That's been a long while for a senior match, to be honest with you. Um, sorry, sorry, dude. I don't want to cut across you. Anyone who's had that shit in the chat, lads, knock it off with you because you're going to fucking put the, the channel in jeopardy with all that talk. You're not going to single fellas out. You know what you're at in the chat. Just cut that shit short. Good lads yourself. We're joining the fucking the banter and all that, but take it easy on the fucking that sinister type, type stuff because you're putting the YouTube channel in jeopardy. Yeah, yeah. Listen, listen to Rob, or he'll send the MTK thugs after you. you Betcha. <laughs> so, um, any anyhow, it, it is looking to be an exceptional fight. Um, S- Steve, um, I really do believe, and I hate saying it's a foregone conclusion, especially when a guy's a former champion and he hasn't lost in a number of years. But I do think Ioka's coming out of this with a victory. Um, if they can set up a fight with Inoue coming out of this, is that probably the biggest fight in Japanese boxing history? Well, a uh, renowned Japanese boxing historian that I am, I would uh, say uh, maybe. <laughs> so I'm trying to, trying to think to think back to all the great Japanese fights of old. I'm the wrong person to ask about that, of course. But, I mean, Ioka's been a great champion for a long time. Excellent win over Tanaka when we worked out that Tanaka, uh, for all of his... Um, his youth and his punching power and his braveness, he just couldn't get out the way of the left hook. And then if you were to put Ioka in against someone like Inoue, who again is traversing the weight classes, knocking people out for fun, it'd be a massive fight. It'd be something that I would definitely love to see. You'd favour Inoue, he's the bigger guy now, a stronger puncher as well. But Ioka's had a fantastic career. As I was saying off air to you guys, I've kind of become a bit of a lower weight casual over recent years. But I do remember Francisco Rodriguez Jr. about 10 years or so fighting Roman Gonzalez. He got stopped on that occasion, and I'd expect Ioka to make a successful defence. But obviously, at his age and the fact that they're talking retirement and he enjoys a bit of messing about outside of the ring, which is maybe why he's carrying on to some extent, he'll get rid of Rodriguez and let's see him move up or fight against some of the other uh, fighters in, the, in this way. One person whose name did uh, stick out to me was someone we have spoken about before, Jerwin Ancoyas. He's had such a strange career, Ancoyas, linked to Manny Pacquiao. Some people call him the next Manny Pacquiao. Remember seeing him five years ago fighting Jamie Conlon in Belfast. Looked like he was absolutely on the the cusp of just breaking out. And since then, there seems to be promotional issues, money issues. His first, uh, his number one rated contender is, is not rated. His number two for the IBF isn't rated. Uh, the number three, four, five, six don't look too inspiring as well. What's the future for Ankoyas? He's got to unify against some of these fighters. Let's get him busy. But as for Ioka, moving up to fighting UA, yes, absolutely. Ticks the boxes for me. Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, unfortunately, Rob, I think that uh, Ioka probably gets drilled in that fight. Yeah, good DJ though. So you know he can come back. Um, I don't know, dude. I don't watch. I very, I very rarely watch fights uh, with fighters under one hundred and twenty six pounds, one hundred twenty two pounds at a stretch. The one one fifty, uh, the one one five division just evades me. I watched a bit of the Estrada kind of fucking 
Chocolatito and all that, like we're just based off Andy's recommendations and being on this on this show, but I can't really give you like an informed opinion on those fights because I won't be watching them. Andy, uh, does does that make you sad that that Rob uh, does not bathe in the nectar of what are the lower weight classes? Now everybody's got everybody's got their, got their choice, mate. You know, in the day everybody's got their fighters, they've got their eaters, they've got their divisions, and that. Um, the, the main reason why I like the wee guys, and that's because obviously I grew up in an area where like, we had a ex-British flyweight champion, and that. Um, the, the guys I kind of grew up, you know, kind of listening to, and that they were all guys who were malnourished, you know, coming up through after the war, and that. So it wasn't really like you know under the the, uh, the recession, that. So I kind of like watch looking at a, a, a lot of wee guys, that Pascal Perez, um, King Pitch. Fighting Harade and that it was it was it was tapes that I had watched as a laddie actually believe it or not I haven't got them actually you see them on YouTube these days and that so it was something I kind of like we kind of grew up listening to and that it was like the wee guys and that and I always as I say I go back to the story and that with this this wee guy who was, who was a flyweight he was in the pub this night and he got, he got called something sectarian off this big fucking brute guy he was like six foot something you have never seen any and this is uh, this is what I got told anyway. The wee guy fucking smash him with one punch till he goes knocked out. So obviously, like someone who's well trained in that, doesn't matter what your size is, you can knock out anybody in that. So I always had that in the back of my head. And every time I watch the wee guys fight that, they always give you value for money. You know, as I say, anybody at the weight divisions can come from anywhere for top thirty, top twenty to come up and challenge for a belt and become champion. That it's just because another thing is well, because you've got three pounds, they kind of like flip between like minimum weight and like flyweight and then flyweight etc. And that so you can you know. The, the talent is quite thick, so they can kind of like you know, fluctuate between the two divisions and that. So it says anything's possible down there. So generally speaking, it's, it's, it's good action. And as I've seen you guys, that about Rodriguez and Takayama, as I say, that was, I forget how far back we're going, but that was about a good six, seven years. That was all action. And it was like one, one of the week, they, something like 1,500 punches were through between them and that. The only thing about it was they weren't really kind of causing each other any major damage or anything like that. So I, I get why people don't like watch them because you've got these wee guys with 10 ounce gloves that looks like the fucking size of their head, basically, you know, and you can't hit them clean. So I get it, but I like watching them. Um, and generally speaking, you will find something coming up through the ranks and that, that you, you just notice straight away this kid's got it. And as I say, he's Jesse Rodriguez. He's at light flyweight, an American kid. He's the next one. He's going to be world champion very, very soon if it ever happens, or if he ever gets any uh, fights arranged shortly and that. But he is, for me, going to be the next one that's going to come through. Excellent. Well, I personally look forward to it. Um, uh, I, I, I almost forgot about this, actually. I forgot to write it down. Just a little detour here. Here is one for you, Rob. Uh, right down at the at the bottom of, of your caring ladder. But uh, they have ordered uh, for discussions to begin between uh, between uh, Lee Wood and Mick Conlon. No, well, I'm Irish. I love this. I love this. What are you talking about? I fucking love this fight. Mick Conlon, future world champion. Called it, called it, mate. <laughs> um, I don't know. Tough, a tough night for for make. I think Lee Wood boxed out of his skin uh, to win the title. Definitely fucking took it by the scruff of the neck and took his moment. I think people kind of maybe mistakenly are lining up for a shot at Lee Wood now. Um, kind of thinking that he's a soft touch or whatever, but I don't think he will. I think having get having achieved that level of getting uh, world title status coming from Nottingham and all that, like following in that lineage, I think he's going to, I think he's going to fucking hold on or try his best to hold on to his title. And if he goes out, he's going to go out in a blaze of glory. I think Mick, um, his trajectory so far, 
maybe a little bit slow. Probably would have expected him to be further along by now. Um, I think COVID or whatever has played a, um, and a couple of relocations have played their part in that. Having said that, I'd expect Mick Conlon to win this fight. Maybe not look good doing it. I thought he would have stopped Dahini. Um, I know he dropped him and he, he won a won a reasonably um he won the fight reasonably well, but I I'd um I think the lack of power is gonna tell somewhere down the stage uh for, for Mick Conlon, but um I would favour him to, to win this and I'd say they're pro- they're highly gonna have this in Nottingham. This has to be a Belfast, doesn't it? Like so the big ring entrance, the the Falls Park or whatever, wherever the venue is going to be, McConnell's going to have massive home advantage as well. Um, I'd say they'd be looking to pick up this version of the WBA strap and then maybe um, dine out on that for two or three years. <laughs> um, that might be a good strategy, but um, want to see him in bigger fights, probably down the road, a road against Fulton and that. But um, yeah, give Mick the edge in this one. But that's a great fight, man. I think that's a great fight and a great and easy fight to make interest on on this side of the pond and in the uk interest in the states about it from the two of them after yeah well a casual interest in the states i'd say a fleeting interest in the states and from the two of them um and it's going it's got the makings of a good fight i actually really like it so um we'll be all over this if it gets made yeah hopefully uh it does get made and we start getting a little bit more clarity with uh, the whole wondrous mess of titles going around at 126 um before we move on to things that uh, may or may not be happening this next week uh depending on your source uh steve uh you say there are a few obscure cards throughout the world that you think uh, our listeners might enjoy finding out about perhaps they have a vpn and they can get on the way andy does and uh and watch things from uh some stan i know yeah i'm under no illusions to be honest like the majority of our listeners will have absolutely no interest in watching some of this stuff this is tim box material but a couple of interesting cards did come across my uh, box rec of viewing earlier when i was having a little look to see what was on so i thought i'd mention uh, next saturday the 4th of september out in uh, the czech republic in the clarion congress hotel uh, declan Geraghty. A former top amateur, not so good as a pro, unfortunately, from Dublin, is fighting for the vacant UBO super lightweight title against 12, 8 and 1, David Rajuili. So I thought that was a bit of a bizarre fight to come up on the agenda there, Mr. Geraghty. Hope you'll get the just win. When, just when you thought his career law was going on, take me out, take me out, Ireland. No, <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear, I feel sorry for Gerrity because he was an excellent amateur, really fast and that, but he just hasn't trans- uh, transitioned to the pros uh, successfully at all. But he's done okay for himself, but hopefully he can rectify that with a UBO title win out in Czech Republic next week. Also, this might be of interest to Rob in particular. Hassan, one-time Joaquinio, is returning Ooh. on Friday night in Tanzania in the Kilimanjaro Hall. And more importantly, he's fighting for the African Boxing Union Super Welterweight title against a name you might all know, Julius Indongo. Maquinio against Indongo? At 154. At 154. So there you go. That's a fight between two popular names there. So one time back on the radar, Rob. Well, we're going to find out who next. And we're also going to find out that Progarius got knocked out by Indongo. <laughs> oh, good old, yeah. So that, that's all I've got for you, Matty, there. A couple of little... Joaquinio obscure... will Kilimanjaro in Kilimanjaro. <laughs> oh, that's what he'll do. <laughs> 
Um, I just made, oh. I did mention Tim Boxeo there, Matty, and he's obviously the guy on Twitter who watches all the absolutely obscure stuff. But he said that boxing in Tanzania is an absolute event. The fact that they're fighting for the ABU title means nothing to these guys. They're going to be having an absolute riot, main event at three in the morning, possible ring collapses, people partying in the streets, the winner getting like a Volkswagen for winning the fight. It's absolute chaos there. So it might be worth a watch, actually. Yeah, it, it sounds like deleted scenes from the Coming to America sequel. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, for all those that can find a way to uh, get the Tanzanian feed, y'all check that one out. Haven't seen a Dongo in the ring for quite a while. Um, and then uh, a week from today, uh, varying uh, scheduling reports on if or if not this fight is on top of the card uh if it isn't the rest of the card looks just pure crap so uh but on fox jesus ramos taking on brian mendoza jesus ramos 16 0 14 ko's uh he's been looking good in recent fights he's beat 16 and 1 ramal amanoff 14 and 0 esteban garcia and the always uh, durable 22 and 3 javier molina uh we faced him at the time uh, whereas mendoza went 10 rounds with the uh First round KO victim of Aris Landy, Lara Thomas, Cornflake, Lamana. And he also had a split decision loss to a 9 and 1 at the time, Larry Gomez. Um, I don't know if any of you guys have seen much of Ramos. Uh, I'm, I'm struggling to try to remember some moments myself. Uh, the little bit I have seen, the dude can punch. Uh, he has some defensive lapses. Uh, if this is on the Fox card, Steve, will you be tuning in or at least catching a replay? I will be catching a replay. I won't be tuning in live, unfortunately. I can't add much more than what you've added about Mendoza. It doesn't look great on his record, does it? The fact that he was going 10 rounds with Cornflake, who Lara absolutely splattered. He only won one of the cards, 96-94 as well. So I don't think that looks well. And then that loss to Larry Gomez. It looks to me a 19-1 fighter. Uh, Mr. Mendoza is being absolutely set up for Ramos here uh, to be knocked out. Ramos... Can't think of anything in the ring, but I do remember he fought on the Ariola Ruiz undercard against Javier Molina, and Molina's fans were quite spicy. They were punching the shit out of each other throughout that fight in the background. <laughs> Security was trying to get on top of it. So uh, I don't know, Mr. Molina's fans won't be there, but maybe Ramos's will. So you might see a decent scrap in the stands, uh, better than in the main in the ring itself. But I expect uh, Ramos, if he's going anywhere, to get rid of Mendoza, be the first man to stop him. That sounds like good fun, Steve. It sounds like good fun. Uh, the, the kind of thing I would rather see on film than participate in. But uh, nonetheless, all good fun. I, I was really close to participating in one in an Alvarado fight. And uh, yeah, I don't want to go through that again. I was yeah. outsized by quite a bit. And uh, the people that were there were Russian, and I think they might have been connected. So well, you, had, uh, you had Aviola Ruiz. There was Toby Mexicans throwing bombs at each other in the ring and outside of the ring. It was all kicking off. That's, that shit I'm kind of used to. That can happen in my neighborhood in any given Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> so, but um, anyhow, um, hopping uh, over the pond uh, to y'all, uh, what is a fairly decent card? Uh, we'll get to all of the discussion here in a minute, but uh, a solid uh, card headline by Josh Warrington and Mauricio Lara, the rematch of their exceptional fight from a few months ago. Uh, then you have Katie Taylor and Jennifer Hahn for the undisputed lightweight title. Uh, uh, you also have Giovanni Strafan taking, taking on Maxi Hughes, seeing if he can go and take another British scalp. And uh, added to the card also, um, I had completely forgotten about this. This is where the Connor Ben-Adrian Granados fight 
has been bumped up to. So this is an exceptional card. Uh, just real briefly touching on it, Andy, because we, we already discussed it for uh, you know a month and a half ago when we thought it was going to happen. Connor Bender against Adrian Granados is a really good fight. Adrian Granados is a guy with a record that will fool people who haven't uh, had a chance to see him fight and, and know that uh, he's won some of those fights that aren't notched as W's. Um, this is a decent step up and a better opponent for Conor Ben than the last one, in my opinion. Yeah, we discussed it at length when the fight was meant to happen, and then obviously he got dropped off at a fight camp show, like, like what was it, three or four days before the event happened and that. It's probably the right opponent for Ben at the right time. Granados is just one of those guys who, unfortunately, eh, whenever he steps up in class, Name fighters and that he gets he gets either beat or he gets stopped. I think he's only been stopped once. I think to be off, uh, off top. Garcia, of I think Garcia is the only one. Danny Garcia. Him. But I says ben, Ben's supposedly on on you know on, on the right path. I expect him to win this fight. The question for me is whether if uh, Granados has actually got enough left to kind of you know just cause him enough problems. But if Ben stops him like he's been doing with some of his opponents, and that, I mean at the end of the day, I think the the Sammy Vargas stoppage. Raise a few eyebrows, uh, to be honest with you. Um, if it does the same here, be Granados and that as well. I think it's, it's, a, it's a decent wee statement. So uh, it's basically a, right, a step in the right direction. I know he's highly ranked the WBA, like top five or six or something. So, but it's, um, I'm glad to see it uh, being set up now because obviously it wasn't Granados' fault as to why he, you know he lost it in the fight the first time. So at least he's getting the payday at least, and uh, Ben gets his, gets his fight and that. So we'll wait and see. But yeah, I expect him to, to look decent. And I expect him to win pretty well. So, as I say, he's going through these improvements and that, so you can only hope he's, he's still improving. Uh, and I say, this, it's, uh, it's, the, it's the type of opponents you want to see him fighting at this point in that as well. So, if he wins this, I would imagine maybe another fight or two, um, we might see him possibly. Again, depends on what Eddie can pull out the fucking heart, really. But with these belts getting reduced at the with the, the Panamanians and that, it might just restrict these his opportunities a wee bit. Matt, obviously you got uh, you gas as, as as the main man. Um, I forget what's happened with Jamal James just now. That actually, you got Ortiz has got a belt there as well at some point. So I think uh, they might possibly look at maybe going another route in that. But Ben against maybe like say Lavinese, and if he wins this fight, possibly would be would be pretty decent as well. A good step up from in that as well. I think at this point. Hold on, hold on. Sorry, before you come in. All this fucking controversy in the chat about blocking lads. We're not that type of fucking channel. We don't we don't mind just having banter and all that, but it's the state of YouTube at the moment. You can't be saying some of the shit that you're going to say. You might recall we got banned a couple of years ago and we weren't fucking able to come back for nine months and you're all bitching then. Like, you'll be bitching the next time if we get kicked off the live. So just fucking be decent to each other, have a bit of crack and all, but you don't have to be fucking going down that road. All right, that's the end of that. We will... Block Bob, Bob, Balop, Bamboo for the rest of the night if I have to go that road. So it's up to you. It is exciting in there. Uh, God, uh, I don't think I've ever seen the chat this interesting. Um, and, and definitely not in a positive connotation of the word. Um, Steve, my, the, the one thing I think uh, uh, should uh, Granado still have a little bit left in the tank, the one thing that he can do is he can get inside and he can make it really ugly. He can smother your punches. And uh, that could be the kind of fight that a kid like Connor Ben really needs to uh, to to grow as a fighter. Um, just just learning how to work on the inside because if if uh, you you can't keep Granados at the end of your jab, you're going to be fighting inside whether you like it or not. 
Yeah, Ben's could be in for a tough night. We thought that against Samuel Vargas and he got the job done, no problem. But um, yeah, Granados is tough, not really a puncher, so it might be made for Ben. But I can see I can see it being a good scrap. I think it's a good next step up for him to see where he's at. And if he gets rid of him early, like uh, better fighters at the moment haven't been able to do, I think it could be a good statement. So it could go either way. It could be made for him or he could go travel the distance like other fighters have in the past. So... Yeah, I'm I'm impressed with this fight. I think I think it's actually good. I'm glad it's been rescheduled and not thrown by the wayside. So I'll give Eduardo a pat on the back here for bringing Granados back over. And I think it's a, it's a good solid step for Ben. Absolutely agree on that one, Rob. Do you have any thoughts on this fight, sir? No, I just noticed that um, Katie's actually fighting uh, on the card as well. She's fighting oh. against uh, Han, who's uh, Mister Han's. From Enter the Dragon's daughter. <laughs> she has interchangeable hands herself. So should we go fight? Looking forward to it. And did, Rob, did you know that uh, we interviewed Katie Taylor earlier this week? Uh, no, I, I had heard about it, though. I heard about yeah. it heard pre- pretty well. Yeah, yeah. So, so fans, check out this pre-recorded interview with Katie Taylor. So, Katie, you're going to be going up against Jennifer Hahn uh, coming up on Saturday night. And uh, she is a champion at 126 pounds. What do you think she brings to the ring? I think she brings a ton of experience from living on that island with her dad, fighting against the likes of Bruce Lee, uh, Jim Kelly. The other lad looks a little bit like Robert Wagner. Um, So I'm looking forward to a great fight. Maybe get past her and fight Amanda Serrano or the other Serrano. Maybe Shannon Courtney. Someone like that. And Amanda Serrano is going to be fighting on Sunday night, uh, defending her uh, title at 130 pounds. Uh, would you be looking at uh, going down or having her come up? Well, I think if you look at Serrano, you'd always want to be going down. So that's what's obviously on my mind as well. Good point. Good point on that one. And is there anything else that you'd like to say to your fans uh, leading up to your coming uh, fight on Saturday? I just want to thank Eddie, uh, Brian Peters, Ricky Gravel, and all the ones who are constantly behind me. Looking forward to getting back on the zone. Game changed. Hey, thank you very much, Katie, and we wish you the best of luck. Oh, thanks very much, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks a million. Well, there you go. That was our pre-recorded interview with Katie Taylor. I uh, did that just just that hours ago. Amazing, man. How did you get? How did you get that? How did you get hold of it? That was amazing. And well, we we have contacts. We have contacts. We're very <laughs> powerful people. So, uh, yeah, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, very very seldom we get a chance to talk to a uh, Olympian. Um, also on that card, uh, Steve, a guy who we uh, we kind of giggled at his name a little bit, uh, Giovanni Strafan. I think we might have called him Strafan at one point. Well, nobody was laughing after his last fight, least of all Eddie Hearn, um, after he uh, smoked James Tennyson uh, in a single round. Uh, he's going up against Maxie Hughes. Good run since he lost to Liam Walsh in uh, November of 2019. But man, I got to I got to tell you, Steve, I just don't know that Hughes has the firepower to keep uh, Strafani from uh, getting to him. 
Yeah, this is the problem, isn't it? We're, we're Maxi Hughes fans here. He's done things the hard way. He's, um, as a friend of the pod, Ozzy, who's lesser spotted these days, says he's the records are for the DJs and he's gone on the road. He's never stopped trying. He's got his deal now and he's been thrown in against another tough one. I thought he maybe would have had a softer opportunity than this, but it just shows the measure of him. He's going in against Strafon, who is remains a bit of an unknown quantity. He is a puncher and he banged James Tennyson out in a round. But uh, even though I'm a friend of Mr. Tennyson and I travelled over to America to watch him fight, he's a puncher, but he's also a little bit chinny. I've seen every loss has been by knockout now. So there is always that chance that Strathlon caught him cold with the power and knocked him out. If Maxi Hughes can get past those first few rounds, perhaps he can outbox Strathlon, whose power might diminish. He might start to lose you know, stamina, might start to diminish as well a little bit. We just don't know. The fact he caught tennis in that first round doesn't uh, bode well for Hughes. But also, if Hughes can get past those rounds, then Strathlon might not quite be the banger that we thought. So maybe that's the gamble they're taking. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see Maxi Hughes win the fight. He does that all the time. But also, I wouldn't be surprised to see Strathlon be a legitimate puncher and knock another guy out so it's an intriguing fight and again like Granados Ben I'm going to be giving Eddie another pat on the back here uh, who can believe this listening at home and say that yeah it's a good scrap and I'm looking forward to it I uh, I absolutely am too. Uh, this is a good looking card. Uh, we'd like to thank Jimmy Tappy dropping us uh, four forty nine into uh, the super chat. There, uh, really loving that interview with Katie. Wants it to be a weekly slot. Well, we'll uh, we'll we'll talk to her people and see if we can't swing that, Jimmy. Um, you know, she is a busy gal. But uh, you never know that that could very, very well happen. Um, Andy, what are your thoughts on Giovanni Strafan, Maxi Hughes? Does Hughes have the boxing ability to uh, to get this to the final bill? To be honest, but I don't really know much about the opponent. To be honest with you, obviously I mean, he's got that one that one round blowout, so I can't really comment too much on top of that. Maxi, on the other hand, you know, he's had a, been in a great run of form since was the John O'Carroll fight. I think it was. Just no long after COVID, uh, really kind of shut everything down and that. So he took his opportunities. Um, looked really good when he went to that fight in Dubai. He even dropped that victory. Is it Kutuchkov? I think his name is. Uh, and then obviously he had that that stoppage win uh, for the British title. Um, I think he he's he could pull it off. He can box. He can move. He's got a wee bit of uh, you know a wee bit of study chin about him and that as well. I think. Um, if he doesn't get drawn in, I think uh, this you know, this Mexican guy, just purely based off that tennis fight, and that he clearly has got a bit of digger about him and that, and you just don't know what you're going to get with these Mexicans. They could be anything. He's a southpaw as well, you know, fucking could be even horrible. But Max is a southpaw in that, so he's not going to have that issue in that as well. So um, hopefully he pulls it off. I think he will pull it off. Um, I don't want to say for a kind of like nonsense belt or whatever and that, but I'm glad for him. And hopefully he does come through it because this is... Um, these are these are the type of things that you want to see in boxing. Guys who've fucking had to kind of like pull it out the fire and that, or rebuild, come back with like the defeats, and you know he lost to Scotty Cardle, for example, and like, you would never have thought that he would have come back, you know, and maybe kind of like hopefully you know at some point challenge for some sort of kind of world title. So yeah, hopefully he pulls it off. I think if he, if he's going to do it, we need to do it in points. So so it could be a long night for him to be honest with you, because if this guy is what he, what he's supposed to be, like a heavy hitter and that. Um, I just don't know what he's going to be like, why he's, how, how it goes mid-distance, you know, in the later half and that, how good this guy actually is and that, to be honest with you. I haven't had uh, any look up on him that, to be honest with you, so we'll wait and see. But uh, I, I do give Max a good a good chance, to be honest with you, unless he just comes out and he gets caught cold like tennis and he just gets clocked or whatever and that, you just don't know, but we'll wait and see. Yeah, and it, I here's why I'm kind of interested in this fight a little bit, Rob, is, is because... 
Strafan hasn't lost since uh, 2017. You know, uh, some of these guys, uh, they need to move up the ladder before they get the training they need to really maximize their skills. So I'm not so much interested if Hughes wins so much as as Strafan wins and if he does it well, because uh, this kid could come out of nowhere and be a real contender at 135 pounds. You can clearly bang. Rob? Sorry, dude, I was coming off the wife right there, so I completely <laughs> missed your question. In here You're coming answer. off the wife, not coming in the what? No, coming off the wife. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh. I'm in the wife and off the wife. That's the. <laughs> <laughs> So, so basically, I I, I think who's I, wife I'm, though? I'm not even married. What the fuck? Are you not yet, anyway. <laughs> so basically, uh, the the short version of it is, I think that I'm interested in Strafan against Hughes, not so much because of Hughes, but I think Strafan might have a higher ceiling than his earlier record could dictate. Nah, Hughes is gonna do that, dude. You think? Hughes is, yeah, Hughes is gonna win that fight, hundred percent. Maxi Hughes and his brother, his little brother Minnie Hughes is on the fucking undercard as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I think Maxi Hughes is going to take his opportunity on the night. Definitely. Stoppage win, by the way. Ooh, that, that's bold. Steve, that, that, that's bold. Do you like that one? Oh, Strafon Hughes? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I... I Probably stick with my prediction the same as when I made it a few minutes ago. I, I, I know, but but that, that that was bold by Rob. That that was yeah. bold. Yeah. Well, Rob Rob's got a point. It, so bold the, he left. It was a mic yeah, drop exactly. moment. He's, he's jumped off the Wi-Fi again. No, uh, yeah, Rob's Rob makes a good point there, as as expected. That's what he's here to do. Matty make those good points. You never know. <laughs> yeah, he, he's just full of them. Good points after good points. Um, and uh, that is all leading up to a rematch of what was a very exciting fight uh, a few months back. Uh, Josh Warrington taking on Mauricio Lara. Uh, Lara hoping to repeat his uh, knockout victory performance. Um, I'll tell you what, Andy. Uh, Lara could punch. He's got more than one punch that can hurt you, and Warrington has a hell of a lot to prove if he's to uh, move forward into a featherweight division that seems to be just uh, deepening as time goes on. Yeah, I've, I never forget that fight. I saw we did this as part of the live commentary, and uh, Warrington just got he got caught, and he's a, a lot of I remember falling up with something like five or six kind of straight left hooks. And that Josh is going to be absolutely on point for this fight. He's going to be boxing on that jab, got to be moving, use the legs, use every inch of the ring that he can do, and then grab off. He's got to make it dirty and inside. And that he doesn't want to be taking any shots in the type of fight. That this guy looks like he's power legit. And to be honest with you, if he doesn't win this fight and at his age, and that it's a long. It's a long, long road back and that it's going to be. So I'm not sure if this is some sort of eliminator, any belts are on the line or whatever. But um, I dare say Eddie's got something kind of cooked up for it. But um, look, he's just got to do he's just got to do the business. He's just got to win. Doesn't matter how he does it. He's just got to, yeah, I'm talking about Warrington here, sorry. He's just got to win. Doesn't matter how he does it. Doesn't matter um, if he gets dropped or whatever. That he's got to get up and just do it. He's in his front. He's, he's, got, he's got the crowd back with him. He might give him a, a wee extra boost in that as well. It's outside. Should be a good, you know, a good atmosphere. Um, so I just, I just kind of worry though if he, if he does get clipped, um, what does he do? Because I say he just had no answers. They really did they uh, in that last fight. Really, it was probably one of the upsets of the year actually. To be honest with you, but he's got to do the business. Um, it's a tough one. 
I don't know how it's going to go to Boris way. Um, so I, I picked him the last time, one on points, and he, he got upset, obviously, in that. But it's lightning strike twice. I don't know. I really don't know at this point, mate. I'm still on the fence with this one. Um, I, just, I, just, I can see him having the crowd behind him in the stadium, being at home. It might give him that wee bit extra in that. Especially if, he, if, if he's hurt or if he's, if, or if he's toiling at some point, it'll maybe give him a wee boost. But it's just uh, just that 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 power and Warren has no got that game changing power as well to kind of like you know turn the fight on its head if he's really in trouble. It's a tough one for me actually. I, I, I'm seeing I want to say a distance fight, but I just wonder if Lara's just has got that extra gear in him. Or if it, if it, you know he could maybe kind of take him out later. I don't know, mate. I just I'm going to go with Lara this time. Um, I'll say Lara does it on points. I think Warrington's probably learned enough for the first fight to say that well, I know what I've got to do. But I don't know if he can have a, enough. I don't know if he'll have enough really to kind of basically kind of put a dent in Lara to kind of like you know he need to basically outbox him. I think really do it really convincingly. I just think Lara could maybe catch up with him at some point, drop him a few times, and you know maybe see the fight on you know on the cards. We'll wait and see. But I'm I'm kind of like I'm kind of fifty fifty with this fight at, uh, at the minute. It, it is interesting, but but Rob, I uh, I just when I look at it, I think that Lara has Warrington's number, and and Warrington might have he had some good wins, but he might have been building himself off declining uh, fighters and domestic foes. Yeah, I think I think no, I think I don't want to diminish any any of Warrington's achievements because he's done it the hard way. He's taken his opportunities when they come there. Um, he's had some fucking massive nights in his career, and he deserves this all-round nice guy. Um, but I've always said there's a bit of burnout associated with his style, and I don't know if he had an off night that night, if that's disrespectful to Lara. There was a lot of fucking, you know, he's had to dump the belt and things and that, things of that nature. So um, he's had things kind of go against him outside the ring. Maybe that you know, culminated in that performance, but I don't want to be disrespectful to Lara. And I think Lara's come out and said that he has no respect for Warrington now because he just expects that he has to kind of, from his point of view, he he gets the feeling that Warrington expects he just has to turn up to to win the fight. And I don't know if it's it's either going to go one or two ways. I think I think Lara's going to go out and do the exact same as he did the last time, or Warrington's going to put it right and have an emphatic win. So. I'm kind of torn at the moment. I have to kind of watch it, I think, for a round or two before I finally make my mind up which way it's going to go. But um, at the moment, I'm leaning towards one. I, uh, man, that's interesting. That's interesting. I, I myself, I, I think Laura's got it. As I've said, Steve, you're normally in the hot seat this week. You get last word on uh, the marquee fight of the week. Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, I'm kind of leaning towards Lara as well. And I think it is an intriguing fight. Warrington, you can say, oh, has he learned the lessons from the first fight? I think absolutely he's learned the lessons. But that doesn't mean he's necessarily going to be able to implement the game plan. I think he's going to come out, be defensive, try and get uh, fast bursts off um, and get out of there. And then whenever Lara comes in with his big bombs, try and hold and clinch. I think the game plan will be there. The strategy will be there. But whether he can implement it is a different thing. Laura's going to catch him at some point, and we've show, he's shown in the past that he can hurt him. So I'm kind of leaning towards Laura. I think this is a huge banana skin, and I don't know whether it's down to Eddie 
which we like to blame regularly, Warrington's team, Warrington himself. But the whole thing just seems to be a bit of a fuck-up. I know they couldn't unify with Kanzu, but given what Lee Wood's done to Kanzu, given all the fights that were on the table, Warrington leaving Frank Warren after those massive wins over Lee Selby, Carl Frampton and Kid Galahad, he was riding the, riding the quest of a wave. And he's gone over to Eddie, and I'm not saying it's his fault, and all of a sudden he's been presented with this completely unknown Mexican puncher. And he's one fight away from being on Skid Row, as the Porkster would say. It just seems like a massive fuck up or oversight from everybody. This is a guy who they're talking about taking the Leeds fans to Las Vegas. He was about to have these, he was on the cusp of these big fights. He should have had these big fights. He deserved them. As Rob said, he's took every opportunity up to this point. And all of a sudden, this unheralded Mexican puncher's put in front of him with no title on the line. And it's all gone to shit. Where did it all go so wrong so quickly? This could be the end of him. And uh, uh, hyperbolically speaking, on Saturday evening, where's he going to go if he loses to Lara again by knockout? I fear for him. And I think it's a shame that he didn't get those big fights. And like I said, who's to blame? People can make their own mind up on that. But this is a bit of a doomsday prophecy for me. I think he's right up against it. If he wins, fair play. But Lara's going to punch 10 bells out of him either way. And whether Warrington's going to come out the ring the winner or the same fighter as he was before remains to be seen. So, yeah, it's it's a tough one. Yeah, it, uh, we're, we're split on the panel, so that goes to show you that uh, that is an intriguing rematch coming up this Saturday. Um, I do believe that is brought to you by DAZN. Uh, evening, Ed. Evening, evening. And uh, with that, actually, we have a couple of questions before we head on over to some other things. First off, Joe Kennedy. Um, and I actually watched this the other night, so good deal. Um, Joe Kennedy says, in a recent Netflix documentary, women's boxing quote-unquote legend, Christy Martin, record 49-7 and three claims her 50th win was when she was beaten, stabbed, and shot by her trainer husband, only to get up at eight. Question is this, does Christy Martin have the best chin of all time, or should her husband be made an honorary WBA world champion for life? Well, Joe Kennedy. <laughs> well, I think I think he's shown he's not much of a finisher. Oh, oh man, no, it's, no, uh, he's, he's not got that Edwin Valero killer instinct about him. Like, <laughs> no, he, no. So she, he, he shot and stabbed that poor woman. But it, it is a great documentary. I highly recommend it for for boxing fans. Um, they yeah, did gotta watch that. Actually, it's get, it's getting rave reviews. That documentary. Yeah, yeah. They they did spar one time, and Christie's husband knocked her out cold. It's the only time she's ever been knocked out in her life. Biggest uh, bastard in history, this fella. Fucking hell, what's wrong with him? <laughs> Dude, I, I'm telling you, it's a fucked up. And, and basically, and, and, and it's fucked up too, because like Christy used to say a lot of like messed up things about lesbians and stuff all the while, like she was a lesbian at heart. So it's just, there's a lot of interesting things going on. Uh, good no look way. At sport. Well, that's fun. That's that's taking me by surprise anyway. No way. Yeah, that is yeah. yeah, shocking. How many more news. twists are in this documentary? Oh, wait till the end. There is one more twist in her love All life right, at the end, Rob. I'm not going to ruin it. I'm not going to ruin it for you. I'm it not going to ruin it. Animals, is it? What, what, what's that? The husband wasn't an interim WBA champion, was he? That's <laughs> <laughs> so the only no. thing that could happen to the fellow, no. fellow worst. That'll show him. <laughs> <laughs> so but anyhow it, it, um i just i highly recommend it for for boxing fans it's it's a good uh a good watch uh definitely an interesting uh one to see uh i had forgotten that layla ali had just beat the living shit out of her but yeah layla ali just beat the living shit out of her um so uh anyhow anyone with netflix check that one out if you've got the inferno twig rocking uh you know do do your thing however you've got to do it i don't know how rob's doing it these days but that's my hunch that is my hunch um so thanks joe for that question 
glad you had a chance to tune into that one. Uh, let's see here. Uh, the question from Boxman. Uh, let's see here. Tell sorry, me who to, you bl- sorry, to, sorry to answer that. I'm doing it in all sorts of ways, dude, as usual. Every kind of way you can imagine. Anyhow, Boxman, Steve Boxman says, tell me who you believe are the three greatest fighters in your lifetime. Uh, And some of the lists shown uh, of uh, Roy uh, Roy Jones Jr., Floyd Mayweather, Bernard Hopkins from the States, Eric Morales, uh, Canelo, Juan Manuel Marquez, Mexico, and from the UK, Lennox Lewis, Joe Calzaghe, Josh Taylor. Um, that's a, that's a good question. A- Andy, who do you think, uh, from, from those, I, I think he's asking us to take it from those lists probably there. Um, the three yeah. greatest fighters in your lifetime and my lifetime. So fucking hell, man. I think life. Vince has basically filled in the template, Andy. So it's America, one, two, three, Mexico, one, two, three, Britain, one, two, three. Uh, Oh, he's just taking it. it far. Holy shit, yeah. Vince! Way yeah. to do uh, get extra credit yeah, on the homework, Vince, buddy. Vince has done a good job. So, no, uh, yeah, but the main thing, the main part of that question is, is it in my lifetime or in your lifetime, basically. So, America. Mm, yeah, I'll agree with. You. I'll, I'll put Hopkins on that list. I'll put Mayweather on there as well. Um, got to go Roy Jones, I suppose. Um, whatever order you want, I'll put Floyd number one. I'll put Hopkins two. And Jones three, and it pays me to say that because it's purely because Jones possibly fought on too long. Uh, Mexico, um, Morales, Barrera, and Marquez. I'll not put Canelo in there just now because he's still active. Um, and it's the same with Josh Taylor and the British one. I'll go Calzaghe. I can, I can take Lennox Lewis as well. Um, So I think um, in my lifetime, who's retired? Hatton, maybe. I was going to say either Ricky Hatton or I suppose the other one I was going to say. Back in the super middleweight days as well, or them boys. I was actually going to throw in uh, like some Ben, and mm. I'll put I'll put Ben in there purely for, you know because his super middleweight run was quite solid. Uh, I mean WBC title, and plus he's got the McClellan one there as well. So I'll, I'll put Ben in there. Saying that, though, you know, I'm not on a lot to think about it. You could put that's a tough list. I think that UK list is really tough because I'm looking at it and I'm kind of thinking where you're at, but I'm also like Ricky Naz because I mean, Naz before he met Barrera was something well, else to behold. I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the fraud people, yeah. It's, it's got to be there, though, man. I mean, that run we've spoke about it yeah. before, no matter what you think about him as a person, that run he went on was class. Yep. So he's going to be in, he's going to be in the conversation at least. We talk top. Well, it's a top three. Okay, he might he might he might just drop it to it, but he's definitely within a shout. Top five, top six, without question. Yeah, Steve. What are you, what are you, what's your list looking like? Yeah, I think Vince has done a good job there. To be honest, I'm always afraid of these lists. It's like when I'm scoring fights, like I'm going to miss out some glaring fighter, and everyone will go, oh, "I can't believe he didn't throw so and so in." So I think Vince has done a good job there. But it's subjective, isn't it? Greatest. What What are you classing greatest as? Their achievements or fighters that you enjoyed watching and stuff. I mean, I would say yeah, Jones definitely up there. Enjoyed watching all of Roy's fights. Mayweather, Hopkins can't argue with them three. Maybe Barrera could be thrown in as Andy said instead of Canelo or even Morales. Uh, Juan Manuel Marquez definitely always. I think he was a, a quality fighter. And as for Luis Calzaghe, I'd take out Josh Taylor, maybe put in Hatton or Naz, or probably even Froch 
Um, like I said before, you know, he's, you can't dispute. I enjoyed his fights right from the beginning, right till the end. And he never ducked anybody, win or lose, no matter what the complaints were. Oh, OK, I'll go about the Gale and all that. But I mean, guy, the guy fought everybody he could. So, uh, yeah, that would be my list. I don't even know if I've even given you one there. But uh, Vince has done a pretty good job, I think. So so I'm, I'm looking at it. And and for me, I, I think kind of... Uh, so, the, so the United States one, I think it's it's fine honestly and i i think just you could move them around a little bit right I, I think that's preference the mexican one i would take out canelo and i would put in marco antonio barrera uh and i'd probably put move marquez up to two this the, is that i i don't think you could add josh taylor and canelo at this point purely because they're still active that's why i don't say that taylor's our best of a fighter come to Scotland because he's still active as such, but he's he's fast coming there. Eh? Yeah, and and the UK, I I I'm thinking I I'd probably take out Taylor for. I'm going Naz. I, that, that's my final answer. Actually, that's my final answer. Rob, uh, what what are your thoughts, friend? Yeah, I mean I'm a bit older than everybody, so in my lifetime, I'm you get a debt more. Yeah, see, you get see more me, man. See yeah, me again, so... thrown in here. So, because well, technically I mean, my lifetime is also like uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, right? Yeah, so that's what I was going to say. So, like, I'm gonna, I'm not going to say greatest fighters ever because, as Steve said, subjective and you can go off fucking achievements and that. So, my list will probably highly throw that up a little bit. But just that the best fighters I've seen, unquestionably, Roy Jones is the best I've seen in my lifetime, right? And that's including Sugar Ray Leonard, then who comes up next behind them for me. And the third one might surprise you. I know a lot of people might have expected me to put in Hopkins. And even though his achievements um, outshine who I have in at number three, I'm going to say just off pure excitement, pure ability, um, and pure just looking fucking great in there and take the take the, the Iran Bagley fight as the 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 example. Uh, James Tony, man, absolutely fucking. I mean, this prime, unbelievable fighter, absolutely unbelievable fighter. Um, so the, in my lifetime, they're the, the top three U.S. fighters I favor to watch. Say so. I don't know if they're the greatest or not, but you know, Floyd's achievements obviously go maybe go obviously go ahead of James Tony's. You could argue about um, Roy and uh, Ray Leonard because they, you know they've all got such great achievements. So it's one of these ones. that's fucking whoever you put in here is unbelievable. Like you could put in Tyson even for. His impact at heavyweight. I'm talking about it in my lifetime. Mexican fighters, no problem with uh, Morales. Canelo still active, as Andy said. So I'd say Barrera. But in my lifetime, we've got to put the fucking greatest Mexican of all time in there. Chavez uh, Sr. He's got to be in there. Um, so... Yeah, it's dumb that we missed that one. And I, yeah. I kind of think we have to think about it like, you know, it, we in their prime when we were really conscious individuals. And from when we became like hardcores, I was kind of thinking, which I know isn't like, you know, 90, I was born in 1982, but I couldn't barely remember anything before early Tyson. Yeah, well, look, I had a strange we... fucking upbringing. Maybe it's be fucking Irish star <laughs> or whatever, but I was fucking introduced to boxing at a very fucking young age. Like, so I was well aware of Chavez like, by the time I was even 12 years of age like so i suppose it's a little bit different yeah it's when you got into it like but you know i can actually remember leonard fights i can remember chavez fights and all as they happened so i'm lucky enough to have kind of been into it from from that age but in terms of british fighters then who the fuck do you put in that's british like um frotch and kazagi i'd say are interchangeable on that list um i think frotch even though frotch has some l's like he avenged uh, he avenged one of them and 
he was never going to beat Andrew Ward if they fought 150 times. Like it was just one of those ones. But he was probably the greatest British fighter of his era. I think um, toughest fucking nails fight anyone, and always in the fight. So, um, Jesus, there's so many fighters. Like in my in my lifetime, there's so many fighters I could go back to the great great British fighters. In terms of, I just go on the ones from on the eye. Hamid, obviously. And then, this is going to be a strange one because he never won a world title, but Harold Graham, man, was fucking unbelievable. Like, it's a travesty that he never won a world title. And, you know, he came up against Julian Jackson that night. He's winning every fucking round of the fight before he got Paul X. Like, he was unbelievable to watch. So, there was plenty of them. I think Ben is a great shout in there as well, as Andy said. That fucking win over McClellan. You know, going over to America to beat Doug DeWitt, Iron Barkley. After losing big domestic fights that we've covered on Punches from the Past on their Patreon, for the Patreon subscribers there. So... You know, they and they, and it goes, those were kind of special moments as well as a kid um, growing up watching those big, massive fucking domestic fights. So, yeah, maybe Ben deserves a, a shot in there as well as the, one of the greatest British fighters of my lifetime. But, you know, everyone will have their opinions on, on who was better and, and who deserved more recognition than that. But it's a good question. It is, and it just varies because of, you know, lifetime. And you're looking at the list and you're thinking in that era, and then you're also trying to forget earlier, like, I was, as when you're talking, Rob, I was thinking, well, should Whitaker be in the top three American then? Um, you know, but who do you move out? That That's that's a good question. Trying <laughs> to get, Jim, narrow Jim, that down. Jim McDonald said, what was John L. Sullivan like to watch? <laughs> <laughs> Ask Rob. Yeah, he was very good, man, but I preferred gentleman Jim Corbett. He had that fluid style, you know what I mean? <laughs> Tired after the 44th round, generally, yeah. Rob. Where were you? Where were you tonight, a fucking Dempsey Tony Two asshole? <laughs> <laughs> oh, if, I'm glad that uh, that the uh, the people ask questions that make us feel much older than we actually are. Thank you very much for making us all think about our impending mortality. No, I think we, we are old. There's no doubt yeah, in it, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we really appreciate that one, but. Hey, thanks for those questions, guys. You're able to get us over the two-hour line, uh, adding that in there. We truly appreciate that. Uh, make sure to send your questions in to us. We appreciate everybody in the chat. We appreciate the uh, those that have given the super chat. I think that was Jimmy Taffy today, 449. Really appreciated that, sir. Um, we appreciate all of our Patreon subscribers. Uh, again, mentioning the punches from the past. If you'd like to check out that series, a lot, uh, you got to subscribe to our Patreon. We'd love to have you aboard with that. Uh, but that is everything that we've been able to stretch this week into. But Steve will be hosting next week, and he will have much more to talk about. Much more, which is a good thing. So until then, uh, Steve, you got the Bellu of the Week. Thank you very much, Matty. Bellu of the Week for episode 438. A shout out to Danny Young, by the way, who I believe clipped that question from Steve Boxman, which was answered by Vince Cummings. Shout out to him. Also, the Patreon subscribers, as Matty mentioned, Kevin Sutherland and Tim have recently joined us. So welcome to you guys. Let's get stuck in on the video intro this week. It's Eddie as well. Shout out to Jevon Bay on Twitter who cut this. He's the man who came up with it. And I'm sure you will all enjoy Eddie explaining his vital, integral part, uh, his role in the Canelo (laughs) negotiations. He did such a great job. Well done, Eddie. We, I doubt Al Heyman wanted to negotiate with me, so he negotiated with Eddie Reynoso. Eddie done a brilliant job. They've got the fight. That's the most important thing to them. We take this fight, we win this fight, and then we move on. We? <laughs> we. 
Just waiting for Uncle Phil to throw Eddie out of the house like fucking Jazzy Jeff in his pajamas. <laughs> oh my god, that was tremendous! Absolutely. Is that not a worry though? You think about it, right? That Eddie saying that I don't think Alwi Hemmer will deal with me. Well, you got a fucking problem, dude, because you can't make fights for shit if you can't make a deal with Al Heyman. Even, even the Bonfire can make a deal with him, but you can't. <laughs> fucking hell, man. People say, oh, Bob Arms, this Bob Arms, at least Bob can get a deal done. You can't. Fucking hell. We move on. Yeah, fucking said it with a straight face as well. We. You need, to get that, you need to get that copyrighted. We. Fucking hell. Oh, Sounds just like the way. That, guy. that was good. That was good. Sounds <laughs> just like the coach uh, who's uh, who's leading the team that lost the championship game. Oh, oh good old Eddie, man. He's quacker, really. So that was Jevon Bay on Twitter put that together. So congratulations to him for doing that. First nomination is to BT Sport. Uh, John Fury meets Daniel Dubois and Tommy Fury. Just make sure you turn up. John Fury is now working as a roving reporter for BT Sport. <laughs> <laughs> Reporting live outside a billboard coming soon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good old John. Uh, yep. Okay. So who else have we got here on the next one? We have uh, Haymanites, <gasps> Charlo, Brona and Javonta Davis, PBC, oh, yes. Penitentiary Boxing Crew. <laughs> <laughs> what did he do, man? What did he do, Taro? What, what was the, he, he got yeah, arrested apparently, anyway for... Apparently, what apparently, apparently they were in there, he handed over his debit card over his credit card to pay for the bill <laughs> and it came back declined. Uh, <laughs> and he's you don't want to see me great. <laughs> <laughs> so he started flexing a wee bit here. But um, typical of Charlo, he got a wee bit emotional. Uh, apparently he left without paying the cheque and then some of his team came back a wee bit later to go to offer to pay it and they rejected it or something. <laughs> and then they got the police involved. So obviously they're obviously looking to try and make some cash off off his name in the background selling the stories and that. But I, uh, but that's what you get. That's what you get. If you go do your showtime specials and you're sitting on a big throne, fucking showing off all your cars. If you get into a legal situation, people are going to take it to the cleaners. Why did the card come back declined? By the way, did he give it a loan to Broner? <laughs> you get a card to Broner, and Broner gave it to Ricky Gravel. <laughs> I came back declined. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, uh, sad bastard that I am, I was actually reading the lawyer's statement on behind the Charlo, and I kind of feel a bit sorry for him. The waitress went off with the card, then came back saying she'd lost it, apparently. And Charlo, depending on which version you're listening to, either got annoyed or his entourage said, come on, let's get out of here before we make a scene. He was angry that his card had not only been declined, but saying that they hadn't given it back to him. So I'm wondering what's going on here. <laughs> and who's spending on it? <laughs> this fella, will he just tell you what, right? He got, didn't he leave a fucking ton of money in a fucking 40-40 club in New York in a, in a knapsack? At least he's carrying around a debit card now. He's trying to show some financial responsibility. No, no, I take it all back. <laughs> Credit to Charlo. He's not going around with bundles of cash anymore. He's he's flipping over to the cashless society and he's out with a debit card. But he's just uh, he's just gone $1 over the overdraft on fucking thrones or whatever else he's buying. <laughs> what a, what a fucking... I could uh, could you imagine being in that restaurant when that's all going off in the background, he's barking in the fucking 40 entourage all trying to escort them out of the restaurant. Like, they don't want to see me great. Fuck this ass restaurant. Oh, do, you know, do, you know how, do you know how bad you have to suck with money to be pulling in what he pulls in and to not have a credit card? 
Well, it might have been a debit card. I think that was part of his concern, saying there was a substantial amount of cash in the account and he was worried that he was going to get rinsed. So I'm, de- I'm defending the old penitentiary boxing crew here. No no defence for the other two boys, but Mr Charlo could be possibly being being defended by me. But we'll put him up for value of the week. This guy, Daniel's having a fucking mare, man. He's having a mare. He's back again. <laughs> he's, like, he's like Dave Ellerman. He keeps coming back. Have a go, hero. Fuck for you. For fuck's sake. <laughs> he's persistent I'll give him that sit, Daniel. hang in there baby hang in there <laughs> be nice and you can stay <laughs> oh dear as economics nominated Gaz Taylor 83 Gaz wasn't happy with the upcoming pay-per-view car undercard of Usyk versus Joshua weak that he says very weak he then gives a suggestion about to strengthen it up you're going to need Dave Allen or Babich to save this or even Del Boy Chisora <laughs> <laughs> that's all that separates you from success and failure man you're fucked oh dear uh, uh, he's fighting tonight Daniel Dubois we shall talk about this show next week Dubois drips as boxing exclusive MDMA Mick our friend Smiggers Titties has nominated him let's have a look at the full job I'm not really quite sure what, what Dubois rocking up to the press conference in wearing here but he seems to be enjoying himself anyway so congratulations, Daniel. Must be looking through the bad eye when he was getting dressed, I suppose. <laughs> to... It oh, looks like you forgot to put a skirt on top of that at wardrobe. It just, uh, <laughs> there's nothing breaking up between the jacket and the leggings. You know, uh, He's enjoying himself out there in the States. Uh, when John Fury will come knocking on the door looking for an interview soon. Uh, Manny Pacquiao has been nominated. He said, uh, reflecting on the fight against Ugas, he surprisingly said, in my entire career, Ugas was one of the easiest opponents. He only had one style, and I should have been able to easily move away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I said, let me recap last week. Manny always takes defeat so well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. He lost. Uh, Keith Thurman as well has been nominated. I think the Mayweather stuff is over. Staying undefeated, said Thurman, about how fighters like Mayweather were protecting their records by carefully picking beatable opponents. Now it's going back to the MMA stuff. You win some, you lose some. And you get back in the ring and do it again. Great champions fall and they rise back to the top. It's any given Sunday, said Thurman, who's had about four fights in the last six years. (laughs) So, so, yeah. Oh, dear. We'll nominate him for Belly of the Week, old Keith. Uh, Andy, this is you here. Um, you tweeted in Mike Goodall. You are needed in Austria, mate. Been trying to fix this for the past 15 minutes. They need an old head in there. The wire is completely snapped. Looks like they're trying to pinch it. Why on earth are they using wire in the ring ropes? Oh, mate, it was an absolute clusterfuck of epic proportions. So this <laughs> it was a heavyweight fight. Some well-in-shaped dude against a fucking fat guy, and he's basically smashed him into the ropes. He's felt the rope. This, the whole rope, top rope's just buckled, right? So that shouldn't be long to get that tied back up again. Next, but I'm noticing they're actually trying to kind of pinch together fucking wire ropes. I say, fucking hell. And then the neck gets back to saying they should be using actual rope, no actual fucking wire. So soon you can imagine fucking getting guillotined off that or getting knocked out on the, on, on the bottom end. Fuck me. That'll, that'll, that'll fucking state. separate the men from the boys, let me tell you. <laughs> well, anyways, it, it took them. It took them the best part of thirty minutes to get that fucking fight restarted. Now, so that was part of my my VPN experience here last night. Sitting watching that car for Austria while streaming, team streaming the BT card, and uh, yeah, so yeah, it just shows you. Actually, I'm becoming a wee bit of like Tim Boxer. I'll find some sort of kind of you know way shenanigans going on in the world of boxing somewhere. But uh, clearly, Austria has got a wee bit of day to kind of try and catch up with. Just fucking they haven't got great exports, Austria really have the Hitler. No, Hitler, Hitler could have fucked that up for them. Hitler, Joe Fritzl, Schwarzenegger, it's fucking in on the ground out there. 
<laughs> oh, well, it's getting thinner for the boys over in Austria because this Andy is their domestic title. Looks like something you buy from Argos. <laughs> Toys R Us built. Aye, so that is apparently the Austrian, national Austrian belt, apparently. Aye, so I never seen it before. Thought, thought it would be, be good to get a wee, a wee snatch it just to kind of have a look. But uh, yeah, it looks like a boxer belt. You know, the, the, the <laughs> double X. No, the fucking ultimate one. boxer. Thing, ultimate yeah. boxer, yeah, yeah. Ultimate boxer. Fuck me. Uh, sticking to a belt theme, the WBC Asian Boxing Council light heavyweight title <laughs> was in full force. Last week. <laughs> oh, shit. Contested by No Asians, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, that guy, the, the guy that, that won it, he's actually for. Uh, I want to say he's from Grozny. I think he's based in uh, Austria now. So that might be the reason why he qualified for it. I don't know how. Oh, yeah. Russia. Yeah, Russia. The boys enjoying themselves there. Uh, Mighty Max, you're lying if you say you aren't excited for Paul Woodley. PJ Bennett has nominated him for Bellew of the Week for that one. So Arthur Day, and this is Brian King, extraordinaire, nominated Tommy McCarthy. I've known Anthony Kakachi since I was 11, and I'm telling you, he has the biggest potential in boxing, says friend of the pod Tommy, but Brian King's having none of it. He has nominated him for Bellew of the Week. Dazone uh, Boxing, oh, this was good. If you want to laugh, go and look at the replies in this. Dazone Boxing throwing out a carrot here. Who is the most avoided boxer in the world? <laughs> MMA Boxing says, Andrade, he's almost 33 and hasn't had a chance against a big name yet. At least Haney got to fight Lenares and old Gamboa. Andrade can't even get something like that. Oh, don't You're you just feel sorry for him? You're a horrible fighter, man. You're a horrible fighter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come outside. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Andre's problem is this is the most famous thing he's done in the ring so far. <laughs> oh man, Andre, yeah, okay. Oh, hopefully Canelo. that motor turns over eventually. <laughs> when he invaded the fucking Canelo press conference, Eddie's face, he's looking at him like, nah, no, not no, man, not, nah, <laughs> not <laughs> tonight. <laughs> hey, I'm going home with him, by the way. Fuck off, Demetrius. I'm going home with him. You fuck off now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's a character. <laughs> he's a character. A nomination here uh, for Coogan Cassius. Not strictly boxing related, but definitely worthy of being value of the week just for his sports because he sports Arsenal. I usually wouldn't include this, not a, a non-boxing one, but I must say it's from our friend Maria Matthews, part of the ever-increasing female listenership, surprisingly enough, that now listen to the pod along with Holly and Emily X and Amy Lou. Shout out, <laughs> she's still out there. So Maria has joined the crew sending in value of the weeks, boys. Maria, I would say all day, all was getting in the neck yesterday. Even I had to be bite him as well. That I mean, you know, Henri. How many times did they choke in the cup finals? You know, but it, our... it, it doesn't make doesn't make him any less a good or a legend. And that he's a great player, a great finisher. And that it just you know a couple of times when it mattered, especially the uh, Champions League final. You know, he kind of. Oh, I don't think this is a day to be talking about football. To be honest, no, I don't, think so. So. <laughs> I don't think so. No, I agree as well. Where wolves are getting on. <laughs> Let's leave on football to the side, shall we? Yeah, on your own say. time, boys. On your own time, I On your own time. Motor City Cobra has nominated Matthew Redman. Jake Paul is uh, too heavy and stylistically is Canelo's worst nightmare. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Go back to that one. That's solid. That's solid. Uh, Matthew Redman. Uh, uh, Matthew, okay, I got to remember that one. This is Matthew 46923144, real surname. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Party on. <laughs> Party on for Matthew there. As Economics nominated uh, Gaz Taylor. We've already put that one up. I think we'll move on. Uh, Joe Kennedy, friend of the pod. 
Joe Kennedy has uh, nominated Rolly for thinking out loud again. Uh, Devin Haney said, bitch, you ain't shit. Rolly says, suck my fat cock. (laughs) 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 Mystical ass. Fake ass. Oh, Email so jumping. Daddy bought his fucking career. <laughs> I swear to God, I'd love that to be me fucking out of office for the rest of my life. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I love that one, actually. I'm fucking... starting to enjoy Molly's content now, boys, aren't we? <laughs> I like him, man. He's funny. Oh, good old Molly. Uh, the, doctor, the, do- the doctor's coming here, nominated by James Windsor. I am still much around. Check this out, said the doctor, who then went on to offer his advice services. He put up his phone number and his email address. If any aspiring boxer wants to get in touch, the doctor is happy to dispense advice. Woo! The doctor is in. What else is he dispensing, the doctor? <laughs> He's improved his little bio anyway. He's now Dr. Joseph Ajayo, THB, THM, Demon, THD, PhD. You know what Demon stands for, by the way? Apparently, it's not. I'm going to say I'll tell you one thing. The footwork has improved a lot. He's fucking, he's, he's up in the levels there. So check, make sure to check that one out, the listeners. Good old Dr. Joe. Well, Dr. Joe was texting. Uh, David Almond's nominated Tom Loeffler. Loeffler says, one of my goals since I started working with Triple G 10 years ago was for him to be on the Ring Magazine top 10 list for 500 weeks. Now it's 501 weeks. We did it. Dominant run, always professional. David says, what a lie. Sign a fighter and you're wishing him to be top fuck? 10. <laughs> well, that's a hell of a random lie. You know, Loeffler, he talks real creepy anyway, don't he? Like, um, Nelson Gennady, one of my main... To make you world champion, make you a lot of money, but most importantly, I want you to be number one on the ring pound for pound list for 500 weeks. Club's gonna be like, what? What What the fuck does that mean? Like, nobody ever fucking said that out as a goal in the fucking. For my kid who died died of leukemia at 500 days old. 500 weeks in the pound for pound. That really separate the men from the boys. Is he seriously in the top in rings top ten pound for pound still? Yeah, some dreams cannot be denied, Matty. The fuck? (laughs) 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 Oh, good boys! Uh, Iron Fisted Champion has nominated Devon Alexander. Oh Uh, yes, yeah. Devon has followed on from the stretched anus with with another suspect rant. Oh dear. Oh dear. An anal related rant. Can, oh, can I can I read this one out loud, go Steve? On, go on then. I'm telling you now, if a dude eats a woman rear end, you disgusting. I know <laughs> it's a new thing out here, but so many germs pass through back there. I don't care how good you clean it. Women, if your man talking about how he enjoy it, I would give him a side eye. Laugh react. That's suspect as hell. To each its own. From a man's standpoint, that's disgusting. And he, and he deserves one for that for, for that for sure. But the guy who nominated him deserves it for the same time because he says, Devin's views on women and homos are always a great read. What the fuck? Like, they're both up. Like, they're both up for nomination there. What the fuck? Oh, you like, well, do you know... Fucking Dev knows who what anuses should be and what it shouldn't be and not so man's an expert. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with him, but I don't think it's worth tweeting. 
Well, hang is, uh, you know, the, the family will be experts in this type of subject because his, his brother Vorm is in jail for the best part of 15 years, so, you know, you never know what happened in there. He knows. What? People I'm are born? getting, like, E. coli from eating ass. Like, it's a relatively new phenomenon, I think. Well, you should wash your salad more then, shouldn't you? Yeah, amen. Yeah, I think it's probably time to move on. To Ebony Bridges, no less. Oh, uh, yeah, Jerry, Phoenix, Jer- Jerry McDermott is uh, talking about possible weigh-in um, criteria for Bridges. He says, I have no doubt you can pull off anything you want. Remember where you started your journey to where you are today. So a simple design for a weigh-in is putting in your hands. No probs, but maybe do a photo shoot before the fight. Get more tickets sold, definitely. <laughs> this was one of many suggestions from Jerry. A belly of the week for Jerry from Paul Raftery. Advising Ebony Bridges on her ability to design her weigh-in suspender belt. <laughs> Fucking hell, man! The cult of Ebony lives on, man. I love the way he just—he was—he was a bit of a mac with it. He was like, "Yeah, baby, you can do whatever you want. The world is yours." You know what I'm saying? But maybe you should just do a photo shoot. You know what I mean? Take a little picture of the fucking something for the boys. You know what I mean? Sell a few tickets. I like it, Jerry. Smooth operator. Keep it going, dude. <laughs> He's one of many. A shout out to Take Ames in response to Devin Alexander. He said, we should ask the doctor his advice on this. I have a funny feeling they already know where Dr. Joseph's opinions lie on this somehow. I think we would, it definitely would end up off YouTube if the doctor got stuck in there. Uh, Rick Glazer said, talk... <laughs> Talked to a guy this morning that watched Ugas Pacquiao. He said, amazingly, a major fight without a scoring controversy. When was the last time that actually happened? Maybe the Maestro Fox debacle is now having a positive effect on the judging. Let's hope so. Hashtag boxing. Then Art Man, <laughs> one of my favourite Twitter accounts, jumped in and said, yeah, hopefully, Rick. Have you noticed a lot of trainers are catching fighters with tampered gloves? It seems like after Wilder Fury 2, people are more cautious about glove tampering. Art man and Rick Glazer, he all in one hand, eh? What a glorious combination. Oh, mate. I remember we had Rick Glazer on, on this call today as well, eh? A couple of years back. It was a good copy, actually. But, yeah, he, he loves his conspiracy theories and that, eh, doesn't he? Art man as well, man. Oh, f- he's, he's one of the LDPC crowd, isn't he? Yeah, but he's a troll, isn't he, man? He loves it. Is he? All ah, right, good for him then. He's funny, he's funny actually. And Glazer, I tweeted Glazer earlier after he made that announcement a few months ago saying uh, that him and Frank Warren were hooking up and it's going to change boxing and saying, oh, how's the changing boxing going along with you and Frank, Rick? And he said, uh, I don't usually reply to accounts that don't follow me, but uh, go to glazerboxing.com for more updates. It's, it's going fine, thanks. So Rick and Frank together, oh, so ruling the world. The board, basically, mate. That's, basically, <laughs> that's a good on that. Let's just get to the chase. follow the report on that. <laughs> Oh dear. Uh, Belly of the week for Jake Paul as well, finally. He says, I'm on a trajectory to become the biggest prize fighter in the world. For the kids, I look like Mike Tyson. Your grandpa had Muhammad Ali and Mike Tyson. Your dad had Floyd Mayweather. This generation has Jake Paul. Fuck you, <laughs> Yeah, we have Jake Paul and COVID and financial collapse. Yes, this would, generation's would, so fucking fucked. I would love to have got Peter Fury's comments when they read that, by the way. He the fucking. I mean, did anybody catch Peter Fury last week's interview? But I forget who it was with. He just cannot be doing with these YouTubers. Like, honestly, God, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna end when someone, one of these guys gets really hurt, eh, or when the money dries up. I mean, everybody's at it. They all want a piece of it. Um. So yeah, we'll wait and see. When this is like half twelve night, apparently, eh? We'll stay up to watch uh, that bitch. Like, no chance. And you stay up for it? No. No chance. I'm gonna work in the morning. Yeah, so far. I know. No, there you go. Okay. Uh, that is all the ones I've got, then, gentlemen. Uh, quite yeah, not not the strongest week, but quite a few funny ones. Uh, Matty, any nominations from you? I have no contributions this week, Steve. No contributions this week. Uh, Andy, what about you? 
I don't think I've got any mate I've sent most of them on to you at least. Um, I want to give you a shout out to Eddie for uh, you know for we doing our best to make that fight with, with us <laughs> against Kelly Plant. That was just total brilliant. But um, who was the one there? Um, about the Canelo comment about Jake Paul. Jake Paul Canelo comment. Oh, that's oh um, that was that Matthew Redmond. There's quite Aye. a few that are screenshots. Yeah. So I'm gonna have to try and find that one there. That one there. Yeah, Matthew that's Redmond. Yeah, that gets my vote. I've not got any other nominations on it. No problem. One for Matthew Redmond. Uh, Rob, uh, any fun? Oh, oh, R. Jax has claimed Maria. Maria is my missus. She's made to listen to this. Shout out to R. Jax and shout out to Maria as well. Uh, right, any man. nominations? No, we won't try yeah, to they're... fucking chat her up or anything. Relax. <laughs> good good yeah. that she's listening. Put, <laughs> for the people in the chat, it. <laughs> put it away, gentlemen. Put it away. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Rob, any nominations from you? Um, no, only the guy. What's this guy? The guy that's. Um... That's fighting Tommy Fury. He's pretty funny, man. Uh, fucking not. Yeah, he's fighting Tommy Fury on the undercard. Of the oh, Jake Anthony Paul Taylor. Card. Anthony Taylor, pretty yeah. boy Taylor. Yeah, he made a good video of um, him. Uh, he edited in like fucking Tommy Fury's highlight on Love Island when he's there with your man Curtis and they're like fucking kissing each other and all. Like, and he edited his Instagram video to make it look like he walked in on the two of them in the shower. It was fucking unbelievable. <laughs> so I kind of hope he fucking does something in the fight because he's been. Acting the gold all week, so it's good to see he's entertaining. Like, so go see that clip on Instagram. Um, it's, it's fucking hilarious. So, apart from that, it's pretty fucking slim week. It's hard to get better with the week content when there's no fights on. Like, so yeah, I'm also gonna uh, throw Anthony Taylor in as well. He was doing a sit down as you do when you're fighting Tommy Fury in a four rounder, uh, like a sort of gloves are off, you know, when they sit across the table type thing. And Anthony Taylor said he was gonna beat Fury, and then they could have a rematch on the Fury, uh, Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua on the card in Wembley. Him and him and Tommy. So I thought that was quite a good suggestion as well. <laughs> More fun. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's quite the character, he's Taylor. Okay, so one for Matthew Redmond. Right, Matty, we've had a few here. We've had the PBC penitentiary boxing crew getting thrown in. We've had Daniel Dubois with his strange uh, choices of uh, clobber. Daniel Dubois looked like he was going to shop for bread at 11 in the morning in front of the road you look like you should have a handbag with a small dog in it. Tell, tell the kids he's not made of money. The fuck is wrong? Put down yeah. that fucking monster energy drink. I made of money, you fucking bollocks. I own a van. <laughs> oh, good old Daniel. Uh, yeah, that was a good one from Joe throwing in Raleigh as well. And uh, we like Tom. I, I kind of. I'm going to go for Tom Loeffler. I think actually, I kind of liked his elaborate, never happened lie. Matty, who are you going for? Uh, I'm going uh, for Devin Alexander's ass-eating piece along with the companion tweet. I did like the Raleigh's comment, though. That was, that was quality. You know, I, I, That's a witty retort. Suck my fat cock. <laughs> that's a good one from Raleigh. <laughs> It'd be funny if he poked it out as a micro he's got the way. It'd be funny if we got fucking Jason Chahal to come on and do, do say that. Just as a drop or something. We could just drop it in there with Bean and fucking all that kind of carry on. <laughs> <laughs> So, Jason, you know what you have to do if you want to get back on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we've had Devin Alexander, we've had Tom Loeffler, we've had Matthew Redmond. The vote is split. You can sort it out, Rob, or split it even further. It's down in your capable hands. Um, who the fuck? Who is it? Devin? Um, oh, no, it's got to be Charlo for me, man. Charlo. Char- <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the game over the fucking point. What a This you guy, can, man. You, like, you, just, you can just know him get... You can just see him get all emotional about it and that. Oh, he's the worst. He's the fucking worst. He's just... 
his fucking persona is so fucking goofy. Like, even the fucking girl in the restaurant's not afraid of Charlo. She's just like, I'll give this fool back his debit card. Fuck him. <laughs> give, give me back my debit card. Oh, yeah. Do you know who I am? I've got fucking... I think it's the, he usually goes about with a fucking M- M4 rifle in the back. He's fucking boot. I'm mostly charged this, but I think it's going to be the undoing of him in his professional career, by the way, all jokes aside. But uh, happy to see it. <laughs> happy to see it. So Charlo for me. <laughs> Okay, so it's a four-way split. I'll put them all forward for Bellu of the Year, which will be coming in and around December time. Congratulations to Jamal Charlo, who is one of our winners. The other one was Andy's vote, if I can find it again. It was Matthew uh, 469-23144. I went for Tom Loughler for his elaborate Triple G lie. And Matty went for Devon Alexander, Mr. Stretch Dianus himself. They are the joint winners, interim gold, global, whatever else, uh, champions for Bellu of the Week, episode 438. Thank you very much, everybody. Back over to you, Matty. Thank you, Steve. Uh, yes, it's only fair that that week ended in a draw because uh, in this lull of boxing, well, how el- how could it end anywhere else? How could it possibly end anywhere else? But it is starting to heat up here in a couple of weeks. Steve will have a lot more to present to you next Sunday. Uh, looking forward to having some more fights to discuss, and we'll come back and review what is actually a good-looking card uh, with uh, Mauricio Lara and Josh Warrington heading it up. Uh, I do appreciate the panel for being with us this week. Uh, Rob, Steve, and Andy Patterson, uh, I, I really enjoyed the interview with Katie Taylor. Hope we will be bringing that to you once more. Um, until next Sunday, I am your host, Matt DiGionardo, and we wish you a very fine week ahead. We'll never forget. Oh, he's got rotten. Go to Adam We want to be honest, yeah. Crying like a little bitch. I've never met a fucking soul that can fight me. I-, I fell asleep. I-, I fell asleep. You're a fucking bum. You're a fucking asshole. Run for fucking stealth skin. But allegedly, Oscar Rivas has has, has failed has failed a test. Seven year eight. Seven year eight. I will fucking smash fucking you. I hope you fucking die. Be safe. I love boxing sounds. As simple as that. Sports Social Podcast Network.